is good to be a gangster. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Headlong into Monsters, the ADHD of horror movie podcasts. We are your deadly duo of elderly emos. I am Raul, the Monster Slayer, coming at you from beautiful Tooele, Utah. And with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host from down in Arkansas way, Barely Ashley. Ashley, how the hell are you? I'm good. I've been, uh, I've learned I need to protect my neck this week mm. from feral vampires. And child predators. Child predators. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. (laughs) Yep. I have have that written down somewhere in my notes. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that, like, caught that. I was like, ooh, I bet this was awesome in the 80s, but really doesn't fly now. Like, now it's a little creepy. Yeah, it's like weird science, but weirder? a little bit (laughs) anyway uh on this podcast we talk about horror movies and horror happenings this is a spoiler podcast and we do spoil everything about the movies we cover so with that in mind we advise you to listen at your own risk if you don't want to be spoiled so watch the clock in case of rapid aging and make your enemies friends through the power of vampire orgies and join us as we dive headlong into monsters This is episode 31, and today we'll be covering My Best Friend is a Vampire, The Hunger, and 30 Days of Night. But before we get into that, Ashley, would you care to introduce our amazing guest for the episode? Um, Yeah, I'm really excited. I've known this individual for a while, at least uh, virtually I have. (laughs) Uh, And I think it dates all the way back to horror movie podcast where I met like almost everyone I know in this community. But... He's a writer and a talent manager. I hope I'm getting that right. And one of the best people to follow on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, welcome, Victor. Vicious Victor, if you want to be called that. Thank you so much. Yes, I don't mind at all. Um, and yeah, it's an honor to be on the show. I really love the show. So uh, thanks so much for having me on. I can't wait to get into our discussions. Yeah, we're really excited about this. We know you have some experience with these films, and I think it's going to add like some flavor to the episode. So, also, you're just a really smart dude, and I need <laughs> someone to help me understand what the hell I watched in one of these movies. <laughs> so, I think I, I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yep, it's definitely my best friend is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was wrong. That one was. That one was the existential deep film in the in the lineup, for mm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I some think, shit to say about that movie, though. <laughs> I think the films we picked, though, considering our personalities, and I'm just reflecting what I think of Victor onto him, like this very artistic, deep individual. Like they each fit our personalities really well. Mine's like silly. One of them's very artsy and reflective, and it's one like, of them's just really brutal. Yeah, it is. So it's like the uh, amalgamation of our personalities coming together on one episode. I'm really glad I, well, if that's the case, then I am really glad that I stuck with my original pick because a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Uh, when we were chatting about the episode, I almost changed my pick to uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. And <laughs> Now I'm glad I I didn't so that we could be on brand. Yeah. Very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> these that's interesting because these these three movies 
are very different. I mean, they're all they all have vampires in them, but they're very different feeling. Uh, you got to be you can't be in one mood and watch all three movies at the same time. No, no, it's very I watched them all separately and that's not something I normally do. But after I watched The Hunger for the first time, I was like, okay, this one needs a day or two by itself. I I should have done that. I watched all three of them back to back within the last 48 hours. Oh, boy. Awesome. So you can tell us how that went. Yeah. Orly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I okay, well we'll talk about it when we get when we get there, but that was definitely a mistake, poor planning and time and uh, management on my part, but should we shall we get into some Wait, do we, which one do we do first? No, we do listener feedback first for the last episode <laughs> because the last episode was episode 30. If uh, if you guys are you know following along with us chronologically, uh, where we did uh, found footage with our good friend Mike Ma. Uh, Ashley, what, uh, what listener feedback did we have for that? Listener feedback. Um, we had quite a bit of listener feedback. And I hope I got it all, but uh, so one of the coolest people on Twitter, his name is Freddie, um, reached out to me and he was really excited about this because he loves found footage. So he had some things to say and he was like, he told me he was like checking it out and then he got really excited and he was promoting it on his channel. <clears throat> so he was like, does stream the found footage flick is one of the best in the genre. 100% check out this cool podcast like right now and then behind the scenes I messaged him and I said please don't crucify me when you get to my thoughts on Deathstream after he posted that I was like please don't hate me I didn't destroy the film I just I didn't think it was one of the best films I had seen but then he yeah. also gave us a shout out on his I love movies page and you can follow him it's at movies for the soul he has quite a bit of followers, so he was like, he just gave us a shout out and said that was an awesome episode. Is he the and one I invited on in, in case we ever did a found footage too? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a really cool dude. Yeah, he seemed really cool. I, I yeah, I hope we can have him on the episode on an episode one day. Me too, and I think that that may happen. I think that may yeah. happen. <laughs> So we also had our dear friend Amrit Foe. He said, that was a great episode, guys. The Ashley Wine Talk had me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was happy to hear that I'm not the only one that isn't too big on Wednesday. I have thoughts on Wednesday when I'm done with this. It's watchable, but definitely seems for kids. And as noted, I'm not the demo for that show. Just a good discussion overall. I have become the cool mom at school because of Wednesday. And the dance scene specifically, because I've had Caroline listening to the cramps since she was the baby. And they play um, Goo Goo Muck at the dance scene in the prom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it a prom? I don't know what it is. It's a dance. Yeah. Uh, so Caroline is having bragging rights because she already knew what that song was. So now I'm the cool mom. Anyway. <laughs> And that doesn't happen here because it's like basically there's a dynamic here where it's like you're rich and a stay-at-home mom or you're you're me 
and you don't have mom friends. So to be the cool mom at school feels good for once. No, Ashley, you have horror friends online. It's true. That's my friend dynamic. That's very, very true. Uh, My horror friends online get me through. So, okay, let's see. More listener feedback. Horror fan Ryan, our forever hype guy, says it was another banger. And he cannot wait to see what's in store for Troma's 50th anniversary. I can't either. Should we just go full Troma? I don't know. I, I'm i down, but we should also try and get an interview with, uh, you know. Uncle Lloyd. Yeah. As everyone loves to call him. If we, if we can swing that. I'm hoping. See if we can get him on a rant about fucking him in the ass or something. <laughs> You know, you know that like reference, it. right, Victor? I have, I have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next hype guy, Brian Scott, a great episode, great guest. I've watched his YouTube channel before. Really fun guy. And yes, Mike is an amazing guy, and I love him. And he's a wonderful guest always. Brian also gave us a shout out and he said, check out our podcast. Anyone will really enjoy the chemistry between Ashley and Raul. We have chemistry. Yay. Funny chemistry. Everyone talks about how funny our show is. And that makes me happy because low key, I kind of like feel like a comedian sometimes on the inside. I try. That is not easy. I know. I, <laughs> no. com- comedy is is I mean, like you said, Ashley, I I write, and uh, comedy has always been my Achilles' heel. I love comedy movies, but I can't write comedy to save my ass. Uh, <laughs> I, I the I only one story. I wrote one story, and I couldn't make it funny. And I guess my solution finally was like coming up with one of the characters cracking an unfunny joke, and that's what was funny about it. So that's the way I got out of it. Oh, I couldn't imagine like having, I'm not a writer. I couldn't imagine like all the dynamics that go into like actually writing. Like I can write a blog and that's it. Same thing. I write science. That's way different. No one wants to hear about that though. See, and I just, I just say the things that come into my head and then out of my mouth. A, a lot of people <laughs> at work are like, oh, man, you should be a comedian. Bro, I, yeah, I've had people tell me you should be a comedian. I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, because it has to be on the fly. I have to be interacting in a way yeah. that yeah. allows me to be funny. But I anyway, mean, just at work the other day, we were talking about tools. We were talking about our preferred brand of tools. And it's like Milwaukee, Makita, Ryobi, all this whatnot. And then someone brought up Husky. And I thought, and I told them, oh, man, I love Husky. They make great stuff. Amazing magnet trays, like top notch. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a niche joke. It only landed for like the people that I work with. But that's the audience I was playing at, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, does not compute uh we also have a new listener i think because someone has been tweeting us and their their handle is at john can 280 and they said that they are doing the backlog through our episodes oh no 
<laughs> oh, I'm no. sorry. We don't hit our stride till episode 30, guys, which was the last one. Um, <laughs> but he said the downside to being behind is realizing he's probably too late to ever enter the contest. So I was like, don't worry. We give away stuff quite often. I haven't done it in a while, but I do need to. I I am in talks with an with an author about another like book giveaway. Oh, um, cool. So hopefully I can get that squared up, but I don't want to say much more because you know, in case it, I I can't get it. But there's that. Sounds cool. That's that's the listener feedback I was able to find from the episode. Now we're gonna have some at the end. That's gonna be quite a bit on the topic at hand. But yeah. I want to save that till the end. <laughs> awesome well with that out of the way then let us move on to some horror happenings horror happenings and uh who should we have start the horror happenings this episode ashley i think victor should go I'm good with it. Let's do it. I'm good with it. Um, horror happenings. Well, I'm watching The Last of Us on HBO. Um, tremendous pilot episode, um, which is almost 90 minutes long of harrowing apocalyptic drama. Um, I uh, I don't want to say too much about uh, what the show's about in case you haven't seen it. It's better to just kind of sit down and start it and Go for a hell of a ride. But uh, it's based on a best-selling video game franchise. Um, the game's great, too. Uh, but I'm really excited about this uh, series. I hope it, I hope it uh, hangs in there with the, with the same quality they had on episode one. Man, I cannot wait to watch that. That game is the reason I bought a PlayStation. Because <clears throat> I, I have forever been an Xbox man. But I I needed to play that game just from what I heard. And then once I did play it, yeah, I could oh my goodness, it was amazing. You summoned corpse. corpse. He's playing uh part two right now. All right. Oh, I love that one. So damn good. <laughs> yeah. That one that one's very controversial with uh, some character swapping, but honestly, I loved it. Loved, loved, loved it. Most of my friends on playstation are obsessed with that game part one yeah yeah one of the really cool things about it is music uh gustavo santolaya um fantastic uh never heard that kind of approach to a video game before like with such little music and it's so dramatic when it happens and they hired him for the show so that's that's great i I love it when that happens oh that's really cool i didn't know that I like that. I haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I do have HBO Max, so I plan on watching it. Excellent. Well, then probably the less said about it, the better. Um, but uh, <laughs> I also read, I, I just read The Resurrectionist by Rath James White. Um, yeah, extreme body horror, I guess, is the way to describe it. <laughs> have you uh, have you read this, Raul? It is literally sitting in in my uh, in my Kindle library right now. Oh, waiting for me. I have like three books ahead of it, but 
it, it's it's yeah well if um just if anybody out there listening to this is a little put off by the fact that uh you know the blumhouse movies and the original horror reboots that have been on hulu are getting a little family friendly um this is something that will not be joining that group um this will never appear on hulu this will probably never be filmed it's just too insane um but uh wow like yeah if you like extreme extreme horror uh extreme literary horror this is this is this this is the shit yeah that's Raul's genre subgenre i am smiling from ear to ear right now yeah <laughs> It's intense. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my mother lives in Los Angeles, so I travel there quite a bit, a bit. And every time, uh, I go, I take a book to read. And this was the last time I went a couple of weeks ago and, uh, man, it was, it was trippy, man. That's so awesome. You, so Victor, you yourself are an author. You have a book called the, the frequency of fear, the sound of fear. Yeah. The sound of fear. I'm so sorry. Um, I have not read that. It's a, 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 a collection of short stories, right? I've read it. Uh-huh. I read a book that you haven't read. <laughs> well, I recommend it. <laughs> so I also own that. It is still sitting in my Kindle library. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've purchased it, but I haven't read it yet. In As far as the violence goes because i am an extreme horror reader is it is it uh is it gonna give me the goods no no um it's uh it's pretty i guess it ranges from anywhere from like pg to r rated uh violence wouldn't you say ashley i mean uh it's it's more like i was writing more kind of like a twilight zone black mirror type that's what i would say yeah. Okay. Um, no. The, yeah. But I do have extreme stuff. And since we're going to be talking about vampires today, one of the extreme stories that uh, I wrote um, is in a movie called Blood, <laughs> Blood in the Rain 3. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I would say, NC-17 rated. It's pretty explicit. And uh, some of the other stories in that collection are as well. <laughs> That's so funny because I see you as this like gentle human. I I am, believe me. I, I get it all <laughs> out on the page. All on the page. And also I saw a cat, so we have to talk about it. Oh yeah. That's my familiar espresso. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's a cute way to say that. Yep. My cat is laying on a plastic bag on the bed right now. I don't know what her obsession is with bags. Hmm. But I'm gonna let her do that. It's real, yeah. They, I, I don't know why they, but they focus on something when they're little, and they never get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. But, I don't know, my cat's a dog. <laughs> oh yeah, I love dogs too. <laughs> but yeah, um, I the last thing that I'm doing right now is I'm watching on Netflix. I'm writing. Uh, I'm I'm uh, watching a uh, an animated. Uh, series called Junji Ito Maniac, Japanese Tales of the Macabre. And uh, it just dropped yesterday. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. I'm not too far into it, but 
it's uh you know i'm a huge junji ito fan he's he's sort of uh, one of the purveyors of what they call the new weird which is sort of the the inheritors of the hp lovecraft legacy um so these are all disclosure narratives where the the event the weird event that's happening and otherwise grounded in reality world uh is what the story is about so don't get too attached to the characters because uh, they often go mad die disappear that sort of thing and that's the story but it's it's a bunch of short stories so um uh, also very japanese so if you want a little cultural immersion in, in the japanese horror side i highly recommend it it's been very re rewarding so far so victor i didn't know you were an anime fan uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a huge anime fan, but there are a couple of animes that I really love. Um, you know, Berserk. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Berserk, which is it's sort of it's like Dungeons and Dragons, sorcerer, uh, sword and sorcery with extreme horror added to it. Oh, yeah, uh, that's great. And uh, Monster, which also dropped on Netflix yesterday, which I haven't gotten to, is awesome. Oh, man, I haven't seen that show in forever. I need a monster i don't know what that is i don't know anything about anime i'm sorry it you, you, you might i mean there are really popular animes out there that are, that are way more popular than those two that i mentioned um so i don't know if getting involved with these to start is is good but when i saw berserk <laughs> like that was my uh come to anime moment like i was like this show was made just for me mm -hmm. and uh i have really struggled to find something that gave me that rush since then since i saw the 90s so yeah there's there's a really like emotionally impactful like sci-fi horror anime called parasite the maxim Ooh. um it's uh it's essentially like if the if if the alien creature from the thing um had like a mind of its own to the point where it could share a host body and the host and this uh foreign entity could coexist together um but also there's a tremendous amount of horror there's body horror violence gore a very emotional story it's it's fantastic and the and the music video is like hard scream or not music video the opening music is like hard screamo so mm -hmm. you know that really hooks me in yeah the opening theme is really important um especially if you're watching it on hulu or something where they kind of force you to sit through it every time uh like it better be good otherwise mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you're just like oh how do i how do i get through this you know uh Ashley, <laughs> what have you been doing for horror happenings um, I haven't had a lot this week and actually since we recorded last because we are doing pretty good right now getting our episodes out. Anyway, uh, I had some stuff going on at work. We had someone from the National Science Foundation come and talk. So I've been busy. So I haven't really done anything horror related except watch these movies. That feels wrong. Something feels wrong about that. I've been trying to catch up on 2022 movies, but I think I've already gone over that. I watched one called Sissy that I kind of liked. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I watched it. I guess that was last week, but yeah, I thought it was really good. 
And I already, I don't know if I talked about this on the last podcast. I watched the menu, which I loved. Um, yep. Yeah, Rafe, Rafe Fiennes is awesome in it. Yeah, like it's not like uh, super horrific in any way. I just thought it was a really like cool culty type movie uh, based around a guy who's basically just lost his fucking mind. That might show well, up on my top 10. I don't know. I I also watched the menu and people are all over this movie's dick. Like <laughs> everywhere. It's like, have you seen the menu yet? I'm like, I guess I'll watch the menu. So I watched it and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like eating at a fancy restaurant. <laughs> Which is one of my most favorite things to do, but I can see how some people don't like that. No, not not me. I was and I think I I tweeted about it. I was like, oh, I finally watched the menu. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the 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 movie Grandma's Boy. Yes. No. You know that scene where they go to like the the super fancy vegan restaurant. Yes. And whatnot, and the waiter's just describing to them how all of their food is the best and superior. But the yeah. our main characters are like, this is some bullshit. There's like a Tommy burger down the street. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's kind of how I felt watching the menu. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I I really liked the take on it. I can see how some people will not like it, especially if you present it to them as being a horror movie. I mean, to be fair, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But when I can when I stacked it up to the hype or like the price oh, yeah. tag of a, of like a fancy restaurant, I'm like, nah, dog, I'd rather just have Tommy Burger or in and yeah. out or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's funny you say that. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that if I, I wish that somebody had told me before I saw it. One, it's not about cannibalism because that's immediately where my that's mind what went. I thought too. <laughs> it's got nothing Same. to do with that. Um and they do, they do give you exactly what you you guys just described, like um, a lot of glamour shots of like beautifully prepared plates, and that it mm -hmm. just starts getting more and more outrageously, sort of <laughs> out in Pluto, like what they're doing. Yeah, um, and uh, and it 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 gets good, but like if you like uh, satire shows like Succession um, uh, or Billions, stuff like that. You'll yeah. probably dig this. Like this is basically a satire with a little bit of a horror ending. Satire with murder. Yeah. Well, some of it has murder. Like I really like satire, like political satire. I really like. So I really liked this and it made, I liked how the thing the man created, like he created this himself and he got really sick of just the... Uh, I guess the way people like if you go to a fine dining restaurant you can look at any given person and be like this person is a piece of shit like you, you know what I'm saying and like I think his yeah. audience like he built this thing to be something very beautiful and they've just tor torn it down for him over time and he just became inc incredibly like deranged over it and that's something I liked for me, I, I thought of the uh, the expression that that biblical expression of casting your pearls before swine. Like his art became something that was so meaningful to him, 
And over the years, it became less about that to other people and more of just a status symbol, whether it was good or not. See, that's way better than what I just said. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot to love about the movie. It's just. Yeah, it's not going to show up on my top 10. Let's just say that. I can see that. Oh, so is that all you had for horror happenings? I'm so yeah. sorry. I was cutting you off entirely. I'm so sorry. Ashley. No, you weren't. I was just <laughs> laughing because I was thinking about the movie and like I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm like, I know that we spool things now, so I'm just going to spoil it. It was like they start laying down these garnishes or whatever. And I'm like, they're not about to do that. They're not about to do that. They're not about to do that. And it just keeps progressing to the point where they did that. Like the guy like literally just shot himself in front of all the people. And just like they just laid him there on that little drape on the floor with the garnishes. Like it was so beautiful yet so like jarring and also like what the fuck just happened. Like I don't know. I did. I did like instances like that. That was like oh yeah. But that was like I don't know. It left me blue balled. You know me. I know that. Yeah, I agree there on the ending. Uh, I would have loved it if everyone died. Same. But I also liked um, that shot of Anya Taylor-Joy just kind of like hate eating that burger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. those were my horror happenings this week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, my horror happenings is I went to the movies to watch uh, Megan. And uh, I don't, have you guys seen it? I did, too. Yeah, I forgot I did that. Nope. Oh, what did you think, Ashley? It was a OK movie. It was kind of funny, kind of kind of some things I've already seen before, but I liked it. I loved that movie. I <laughs> thoroughly freaking loved it i was like i i i just thought man it's a different take on like uh child's play 2018 uh but yeah i'll watch it and the first time we saw like the titular megan character and she's responsive she's looking around blah 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 every single time they nailed the uncanny the uncanny valley like they they took yeah. the uncanny valley, went to the lowest part of it, and said, "This is where our movie's gonna live." <laughs> and I, I, I don't like dolls. I <laughs> uncanny valley freaks me the fuck out. So every single time Megan was on screen, I was like squirming in my chair. It was it was effective. <clears throat> so, I think something that took me out of the movie was. I can't talk a lot about what specifically, but I can say that a lot of my faculty work in AI and I can't really speak about what they're developing or anything like that. But a lot of the <laughs> one of time they were like, she becomes so powerful that she's basically her own thing. Like at that point, she's functioning on her own. And I just, oh, I'm constantly surrounded by people who are just like, that couldn't happen. So in my head, I'm like, 
can that happen? I don't think that can happen. Like I'm questioning what they're doing. So I think it took me out of it, Hmm. but I also missed the first 10 minutes and the couples next to me were making out. Gross. Mm. Very. So I think uh, on a rewatch, I'll probably like it much more. It's kind of of a weird movie to make out in, isn't it? I would have thought so, but I went alone. You wouldn't believe the movies I've made out to. (laughs) I've never done done that in a movie. A drive-in maybe, not, not... not in a theater with other people next to me. I've not done that. <laughs> I had to watch Hostel twice because I missed it the first time. Oh my god! Ooh, that's wow, on, that's on brand. <laughs> I have a I have a blue velvet experience. I I went to I went on a first date to uh it, like I had seen a racer head and I liked it so and I heard this up and coming guy David Lynch. This is like the late eighties. <laughs> like uh, oh, it was an art film, and I knew she was into art films, so I took her to see fucking blue velvet and it was the most embarrassing experience <laughs> like there was no second date oh, uh, no. it was just not i i do like the movie you know but i i didn't know it was going to be anything like it was and it was an embarrassing first date <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny i like that story <laughs> that's awesome I did have a terrible first day. It's funny how like my experience with Hostel went very nice, you know, but uh, I did have a very awkward experience when I took a date to see Juno. I I don't know. I was I was hoping to make out and then the movie happened and I was you want to make out? No. Cool. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed Megan. I is it it's a little on the did it come out? 2022 or 2023 i don't know 2023 yeah okay because imdb says 2022 so i'm not entirely sure oh maybe it showed a fantastic fest or something like that oh that might be it it might it might not have gotten like a wide theatrical release until just you know 20 or early january so if if that's the case then i'm going to have to edit a list but that's neither here nor there um and of course uh time to talk about the book i've been reading um i read a book called along the path of torment by chandler morrison um and if that name sounds familiar chandler morrison is also the author of ins no uh dead inside inside. yeah yeah oh good have you read that roll i can't believe this because that that book that you just mentioned is next in my digital reading list. <laughs> this is insane. But That's yeah, so Ch- Chandler Morrison. Yeah. Uh, but sorry. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the book? <laughs> Wait, which which one? Uh, which one's next? Uh, Along the Path of Torment or Dead Inside? Along the Path of Torment. So it's. um, It kind of follows a similar character as uh, Dead Inside. There's this. uh the the character that we follow is a uh, very emotionally detached um and uh emotionally da- mo- emotionally sexually and mentally damaged individual um who has a very unhealthy view on relationships and it's 
it's not as like viscerally gross and violent as Dead Inside. It is very emotional. It, there, there is some grossness in there, especially when it comes to a sexual relationship between a grown ass adult and like a sixteen year old. Hmm. Um, but it's it's about you know Hollywood and the skeeziness of it and kind of the underbelly and and whatnot and what people are willing to do to make it and what people are willing to put other people through if they have the power to. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's a good read. Uh, I did prefer dead inside, but that, that might just be because it was more visceral. You might say. Yeah. Dead inside's good. Yeah. And I, I won't say about the, the, the ending was impactful, but not for the reasons I like it. I, 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 not, not for the things that I usually like about an ending, although I did enjoy it. You'll, uh, Victor, when, after you read, uh, along the path of torment, you'll have to tell me what you thought, man. Okay. I will. But that's, that's what I've been reading. I, I did also read a really cool one that was more visceral, but that one, that one will be for another episode. I am currently reading one called. The well, it's a it's a collection of three novellas by the same author. I can't remember who the author is. Man, I, I never mind. I forget. I brought it up. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I I barely started it. I'm not even halfway through the first stories, but it is. Oh, it is violent, and I could not be more thrilled. But that's all I've been doing for horror happenings. So if we are ready, shall, should we, shall we, should we, will we get into our reviews for the episode? Let's do it. Freaking dope. Now, I can't remember which one were we going to do first? The hunger. Uh, now, Victor, since this was your pick, um, do you want to give us a synopsis for this movie? Yes, uh, I probably should have prepared that before the show, but I'll do my best from memory. I just rewatched it a couple of days ago, so it shouldn't be that bad. Um, but yeah, The Hunger, uh, it was made in 1983. I believe it's the first feature movie of Tony Scott directing, um, who went on to do Top Gun. Um, but uh, The Hunger is very different from Top Gun in that um, it, it is highly stylized in the same way, but it is sort of like if you're watching a, like a Michael Mann movie from the eighties or like it's, it's almost like neo noir uh, with all the, like there's a lot of smoking and a lot of uh, thin blinds with sunlight coming in and a lot of scarf fabric. Oh my God, the scarf fabric in this movie. It's insane. Um, it's but, awesome. uh, <laughs> And the it, shoulder pads, the shoulder pads. Yeah, you get um, you get uh, people with insanely big shoulders and insanely small glasses. This is like um, the the extreme fashion of the early eighties. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I'll just say the first ten minutes of this movie is a ten out of ten for me. It is incredible. It opens with the downbeat of Bela Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. And then they show you Bauhaus performing the song 
at the Batcave in London. It's supposed to take place in New York, but that's that's the Batcave where they filmed it. Um, but uh, uh, man, uh, Peter Murphy has such an incredible stage presence, and it's just him uh, singing about vampires—a word that they never say in this movie for the whole movie. Um, but um, he's he's you know kind of grabbing the cage and singing. Meanwhile, our principal actors. Uh, Miriam and John, um, played by Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie, uh, yep. are in in the club hunting for someone to hook up with, or so we think. Uh, and it just shows you this with cuts, like they cut between the pickup and they 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 all head outside the club. Um, and then they cut back to Peter Murphy growling at the camera, you know, performing the song without audio. And they sort of zoom in to the, um, the, the, the composer's music, which is really weird electronica. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Charles, it's like, it's, it's experimental uh, keyboarding. Uh, and um, uh, when they are back at this couple's apartment, there's a lot of foreplay. And then Miriam and John murder the couple at the same time with these little razor blade onk necklaces that they both have around. Um, and then they dispose of the bodies at their place with a handy dandy incinerator in the basement. I was going to ask, what the <laughs> hell? I was like, is that a furnace? What is that? I know. And somehow they've been able to do this every week for hundreds of years. <laughs> Which is uh, some of the stuff in this movie, you just have to kind of go, okay, you know, maybe they yeah. they got around it some other way. But the gist of this movie is Miriam is thousands of years old. Like she was, there are flashbacks to ancient Egypt, uh, and she has had many lovers throughout the um, the uh, the ages. Some men, some women, and um, she uh, is currently with John. But a curious thing starts happening to John right after this murder, which is supposed to keep them, you know, keep their eternity going, like they keep their youth going forever. But he starts not being able to sleep. Then he starts aging uh, incredibly rapidly. And Miriam's like, oh, shit, I know what this is. Um, but she's very close minded or, or not close minded, but she's very uh, she keeps her mouth shut to uh, to John and just goes, oh, it'll pass. And. We know it's it's serious and it's not going to pass. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Miriam is sort of setting up her next eternal lover in in the show, and it could be either this uh, this scientist who who is into anti aging research, uh, played by Susan Sarandon. Her name uh, her character name is Sarah, mm -hmm. um, or this uh, this young woman or. or you know, a teenager that uh, comes to practice classical music with them. And by the way, the, the classical music in this movie is incredible. They, they, mm -hmm. They've had some really nice picks, like uh, Schubert's Trio in E-flat. Uh, there's a Bach piece. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's a really cool soundtrack. Um, but um, in any case, uh, things are about to fall apart for, for Miriam because she, she needs to be with somebody. Uh, but in any case... Long story short, uh, John starts to age. John even seeks out the Susan Sarandon character separately to ask her if anything could be done. Um, but he ends up getting super old. And sadly, he goes home and uh, 
cries on Miriam's shoulder about it. And even though this guy is a murderer, um, this long protracted death that Bowie's character has is really heartbreaking in this movie. It's, it's super sad. Um, and uh, he ends up not being able to quite die, but when he is so, uh, so old that he can barely move, Miriam takes him upstairs, puts him into a coffin and sticks him with presumably her other lovers who are stashed up there in their coffins. Um, and she, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is, this is the basic premise of, of, of the movie. Then, uh, Miriam meets Sarah and they start an affair and, uh, I don't know. Do we, do, do you want me to cover the entire movie or should I just leave it at that? No, you can, I, I like what good. you're doing because I didn't understand what the hell was happening in this movie. Oh uh, yeah. So it, yeah, I, I, I probably should mention it's an art film. <laughs> I was like, I'm too basic. Okay. I can't. As, as but, you're given the synopsis, I was like, is that what I watched? Yeah. yeah. It, well, see, I, I've, it helped that I read the novel, um, but I was equally perplexed watching this the first time. Uh, and um it uh it it's basically it unravels sort of like an Anais Nin uh short story where there's a lot of like really steamy sex and uh a lot of longing and a lot of uh like supernatural uh effects going on. Um yeah. but uh it is ultimately a power struggle uh between what ends up being two women, uh Sarah and Miriam. Um the the protege and the sort of vampire dom uh, that is uh, throughout this movie, and the movie ends with uh, you know what basically what happens is uh, Sarah the the research scientist gets a little bit of Miriam's blood introduced into her her lab tech buddies are like yeah you've got some kind of weird alien strain in your blood and it's dominant like it's it's killing your blood yeah. in favor of itself so again going back to the thing. Um, that totally reminded me of, of the thing a little bit, but, um, but in any case, uh, you know, Sarah's like, no, I, I don't want to, you know, prey on people and, and, you know, be a murderer. And, uh, and Miriam's like, well, you have to, if you want to keep living. Uh, and so, uh, Sarah's answer to that is when Miriam is going to make the process complete, um, Sarah uses Miriam's little ankle, uh, uh, onk necklace murder weapon and slices her own throat and then kisses Miriam. And in the movie, this somehow upsets the whole vampiric balance and Miriam starts to age. Um, I guess, I guess the implied thing is that she's tasted someone who's dying, but that's kind of what they were doing before. So I don't understand why that yeah. happens. But it's it's the if you just think of the the basic it's the basic story of like dominant personality has an underling that eventually she can't dominate anymore, uh, and then this new uh, ingenue enters her life, and that uh, ingenue ends up becoming the master of the relationship. That's the basic sort of sexual uh, uh, interplay that's that's going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the novel um, by Whitley Stryber is different. Um, it ends up with Sarah slicing her own throat, and then Miriam is just left with no lover, and she's sad at the end, and that's it. 
uh, which makes a lot more sense. But apparently, yeah, that's what that's what Tony Scott filmed. Um, and then the movie suits saw it and they were like, no fucking way. Like, we can't have a movie end like that. That's everybody's going to walk out and hate it, um, which they pretty much did anyway. But um, <laughs> they changed the ending to have Sarah be alone and sort of become the new Dom vampire hanging out at some super rich apartment in London or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, her her vampire life is about to begin, which is totally contrary to what the character was going for the entire movie. The so entire yeah. film. Yeah. I, I was just very lost in all the stylistic elements of the movie that I couldn't pay attention to the plot. Right. Well, the the plot is very minimal. Um, So no big loss, but yeah, (laughs) Ashley, you're absolutely right in that. um, This is super stylistic. Like there's a lot of lingering shots and like I said, shots through, uh, through scarves and all kinds of really cool looking stuff. Yeah. Like it'd be a great movie to have on in the background, like if you're making out um, <laughs> and you're both into blood because there's a lot of blood in this movie. Um, but um, and and lesbian sex scenes. Yeah, there's a there's a lesbian sex scene that um, uh, one of my lesbian friends didn't really like because uh, she's like, oh, it's obvious a man shot that. Like it 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 just puts the <laughs> the women on display. The first time I saw it, it didn't occur to me. I was like, wow, you know, I can't believe they're putting this in a movie and that's yeah. not, that's not X-rated. Uh, but um, yeah, it's pretty steamy. Uh, Sarandon and, and Deneuve uh, going at it and it's, uh, it's memorable. Um, and there's a lot of scarves involved. It's usable. My first note on this film is this movie is very horny. Yeah. Very. It is. It should be put in horny jail. It's in horny jail. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> movies aren't horny enough. So this one had that going for it. <laughs> like the new Hellraiser to me wasn't horny enough. Not enough. Yeah. I wanted more. They, yeah. There were some that, things I liked about it, but yeah. That priestess could get it. She was nailed in the face and I'd nail that from behind. I, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes uh, movies make you feel certain things and it's good to express them. Um, but yeah, the, so the, 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 I think the strikes against for the hunger are the pacing, uh, like we've, like we've said the yeah. length also, like, I think that it could have also been edited down. I think it's like an hour and 45, an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Please yeah. like 88 minutes would have been great. Um, and, uh, man, yeah, some of the shots just go on long. They're all great. I mean, they're all great shots that are like, if you're in film school, definitely watch this movie just for how he sets up the, how he blocks the shots. And uh, he does some really unusual stuff, uh, you know, Scott in this movie. Um, and the performances are great. This is actually my favorite David Bowie per- performance. I mean, obviously he was an incredible stage, you know, performer, uh, a musician uh, and composer, but as far as acting performances go, this is, is really, he's, he really shows tremendous depth and pathos with a very minimalist performance. I don't really know how else to say it, but uh, it, it looks amazing. And everywhere they walk, it, it's like it's almost like New York in the 80s shot through a gothic lens, like a, like a, a gothic romance lens. Yeah. Like, you know, think of like Edgar Allan Poe movies from the, the 60s, like, you know, castles and stuff like that. Now imagine modern-ish, like 80s New York shot like that. 
Yeah, that's the totally the feel I got on that. That's like incredible that you said that. Um, the whole time that's just like how I felt being immersed in it. Uh, but mostly I don't have a lot of notes on this. I was just wanting to ask you questions about what the hell I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what? I'm so glad I'm not alone. Uh, it, it is a little impenetrable. Um, ironically. And but, uh... <laughs> maybe you can explain this to me. What happened to Bowie? Like, what is, what is, is that some sort of vampire lore I've never heard of before where they just like rapidly age? Yeah. No, yeah. As far as I know, he's, he's basically like a Renfield character in this movie. Okay, okay. He, he's, he's not like a full vampire, but he's got the vampire blood in him so he can live eternally as long as he keeps whatever he needs to do to keep that going. Um, but the, the fact that they're the, the vampire lovers of Miriam, uh, time out at some point and they start aging like the aging all catches up with them in like a week yeah um that is as far as i know unique to this movie but apparently that's happened to several of her lovers uh throughout that's time. what i saw yeah she had a whole closet or whatever basement or attic full of them yeah i <laughs> i did not know if that was real at the end, because I, I guess I just must have missed the scene where she has like coffins of people stored like Ziploc bags. Right. I must I, I must have just missed that. So when, you know, these people, these withered raisin, California raisin motherfuckers like start coming out and they they uh, toss her down the stairwell or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is this happening? Or is this in her mind? Like, is this, is this like the end of, um, maniac when like the mannequins come to life, quote unquote? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Could be. Uh, yeah, that that is one way to look at it. In that it's all like Miriam's fever death dream at the end. In that, like her, how could her lover kill herself when she's been offered so much? Uh, and it totally destroys her. And then the whole thing is a hallucination where they chuck her off the balcony with a a symbolic fall from grace, a symbolic and literal yeah. in her mind. Yeah. Uh, and then they they stash her away with the others, um, which is sort of a dark fairy tale justice or something. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> There, but there, there's also there are some amazing set pieces. There's there's a, a there, the makeup effects are by Dick Smith, um, who you know did Little Big Man and The Exorcist. I think uh, he's a pretty famous makeup guy. It's all practical effects, and yeah. uh, Bowie's aging is incredible. Like I I, I saw this on Blu-ray and it holds up. <laughs> it yeah, I watched it on digital, but it was in. It was in 4K, I think, because I just I bought it, and I was like, "This looks really good. Like everything looks really good in this movie." Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I was impressed by that and the practical effects too. I was just confused about what was happening at that moment, yeah. and it was also really heartbreaking, especially when he was like, "Kiss me like you did when I was younger," or however mm. he said it. Yeah, and she was like, "I can't." She's so oh, lame. Yeah, I was like, "You bitch." Yeah, um, I, I, 
I, I don't know what that trope is is known as, but like when a sort of bad guy like gets a horrible, horrible punishment that should not <laughs> have happened to yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, like that's what happens to Bowie's character in this movie. Right. And it was still sad because I don't know. You don't know what he was in the beginning or where she found him and and what she's put in his head throughout this whole thing. Like it could just all be some trance he's been in. So it felt really bad for him at that moment. Sure. And yeah, and they do have sort of a trance like power. Like Miriam has this this thing, this kind of voodoo thing that she does with Sarah's note where yeah. she becomes so distracted that she almost gets flattened by a New York truck driver. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she charms Sarah into kind of sleepwalking through the New York streets. Yeah, and that's, like, I noticed, like, after Sarah was done talking to her, she was, like, super dazed. Right. And then she starts walking down the streets, and then you can tell, like, the truck is coming. Oh, no, no. But, like, somehow uh, she could feel that this was about to happen to Sarah. Yeah. And she, like, holds the note to her and is able to make that truck stop. So clearly she has some sort of like undue influence over people and objects. Yeah. She's got the supernatural mojo of, of an undefined nature. Yeah. That's, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, it's also interesting that the vampires don't have fangs in this movie, that they use those um, onks to, to kill people. And um, it's, it's sort of a different take. Now, in in the sort of modern vampire lore, you know, Interview with the Vampire came before this movie or and before this book. Then this book came out um, with a slightly different take uh, on sort of vampires in the modern world. Um, oh, by the way, this movie is a lot like, uh, 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 yeah, I, I guess it's it's well, let's just say. Um, it, it was very formative, I think, because it came, the, this movie came before the Interview with the Vampire movie. Uh, and um, I, I think that those two books are probably responsible for the way we view modern or vampires in the modern world, um, you know, post. I would agree. Yeah. Dracula post Salem's Lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I know in my like my generation, even people who weren't into horror were extremely influenced by Anne Rice and her her books so i think like her takes on it for sure have driven much of what we see in the modern vampire world but yeah Mm -hmm. i can totally see that with this film yeah absolutely but victor uh to go sorry uh to go back to what you were saying about uh david bowie's performance you're you're right it is probably the best david bowie like acting performance i've ever seen in a movie i mean just the pain of when he's crying when he realizes that he's going to just be old in age and be a withered husk um when he's sitting like the frustration in his face when he's sitting in the in the waiting room and he just keeps looking at the clock looking at the clock and then he, he rubs his hair no words not a single spoken word in that but you just feel his frustration yeah. Um, but I think my favorite part of his performance was when he he kills the 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 violin uh protege. Yeah. Uh the the student that he had been playing with just the day prior. Yes. When, uh, yeah, that, when, yeah. Yeah. It was it was so it was amazing. Like the 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 look on his face was it it beautifully portrayed 
like the conflicting emotions he felt between having to potentially choose to save his own life or to end, and to end hers or you can see that there he found value in her life and I, he didn't I, I, want I, to do this yeah i have a, a, a theory about this um because he he try if, you know first bowie tries to extend his life by cutting that uh, skate uh, skating dude it's a fantastic shot of this dude just like yes. doing solo skating in new york and like in this yeah. ruined uh parking lot or something like that and Bowie attacks him, but he's super decrepit at that point. And yeah. the, the youth just kind of shoves him off and, and starts screaming at him and he kind of waddles away. Um, but I think Bowie kills the protege because he knows Miriam is grooming her to be her next lover. And uh, he, he he's trying to have mercy on her by not by her not getting that life, you know, uh, just killing her prematurely. Oh, I didn't pick up on that at all. But there's, a, I'm sure there's a lot in this movie I did not pick up on at all. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. But yeah, that could be. Damn, damn, Victor, you you're too damn smart for this podcast. <laughs> I know, oh, right? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I I will, however, take uh, grievance with something you said, Victor. Yes, sir. And despite this being his best performance like as far as acting prowess goes i will not have anyone slander his performance as the goblin king because that is an amazing movie and the codpiece he wears in that movie i i tell you it accentuates all of the groin area i don't i don't think that's a codpiece uh, oh I, I oh I, is I, that why women like him because let's face it homeboy's kind yeah. of ugly um <laughs> yeah Bowie's pretty infamous for having a huge cock <laughs> i i did not know that i just thought <laughs> i did not I, either I, I didn't i just thought why do women find him attractive because he looks like someone ran over a frog like he doesn't he's not an attractive dude i've never found him attractive but a lot of my friends do is it is it his giant penis you should I don't know. It's his giant penis. I, I think it may be his fearlessness. The fearlessness, the artistic drive. Yes. The giant the penis. Millions of dollars. The millions yeah, of dollars. That helps. Uh same thing with Mick Jagger. Like Mick Jagger looks like he's constantly done scuba diving because he's got lips that would make frogs jealous. I, I, I agree with you on Mick Jagger. I think uh, Jagger's a pretty ugly dude, but he somehow exude, exudes sexuality. Um, uh, Bowie does as well. I always thought Bowie was good looking myself, um, but, uh, you know, that's just me. No, I, I can't. I can't do that one. I can't. I can't be behind you on that one, Victor. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, um for a sec, can we talk about the incredible cameos in this movie? Willem Dafoe shows up as a harass a harassment dude that harasses Susan Sarandon for a second. Um, uh, Dan Hedaya uh, of uh, Blood Simple fame is the detective that is like always one step behind mm-hmm. <laughs> Miriam. Is totally ineffectual in this movie, but he pokes his head in a couple of times. This crazy hairdo and. And, he, and he's just like, hey, how's it going? Uh, have you seen your husband yet? And stuff like that, just to kind of uh, give the walls are closing in feeling to Miriam. Um, uh, but anyway, 
Uh, I really, I loved this film. It's, it has a lot of flaws, but um, I really think it is worth checking out. Um, and I loved the book as well. So yeah, track down the book if you, if, if these things sound interesting to you. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Another story I, want, I just want to read was I read that uh, Bowie was actually personally very intimidated uh, acting opposite Catherine Deneuve and, and they share some very intimate moments. They don't have sex or simulated sex in this movie, mm -hmm. but uh, they do take a shower together. And that scene, Raul, that you mentioned earlier when, you know, he's sort of pleading with her, like that's, if you're intimidated by the actor you're with, those things are super hard to do, <laughs> but he, he pulls them off. And um, yeah, apparently Bowie got along really well with Susan Sarandon. I think they had a fling during the movie. So just a, just a rumor, but um, they're, I don't think they're ever on camera together or they are, they are, but briefly, um, yeah. uh, but uh, offstage, different story. Right, based on that lesbian scene, I would also would have had a thing fling for Susan with Susan Sarandon. That, that was terrible English. I am so sorry. <laughs> You're forgiven. Yeah, she uh, Sarandon's definitely at her height in this in this movie. She's gorgeous, and uh, mm -hmm. the the movie knows it. Yeah, I liked her. Is, in this. Are there any movies where we get a shot of David Bowie's gigantic cock? Like, <laughs> uh, oh, you know, in in uh, Moon Age Daydream was one of my favorite movies of last year. Um, it's it's a it's a sort of concert footage slash philosophy biography of Bowie um, highly recommended, but uh, there is an incident that they talk about in that movie where apparently on stage his, he became unraveled, so to speak. Um, and uh, it's a pretty famous event, but they don't actually show it in the movie. So I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you for sure. But uh, I think sometime during the Ziggy Stardust years, that happened. Like full frontal uh, wardrobe malfunction happened, and he just went with it. And uh, apparently, that's where it became public knowledge in the seventies. That's you better be awesome. glad that was not the social media day, right? So. Yeah, because didn't the same thing happen to that singer that sings uh, "American Woman"? What's his uh, What's his name? Lenny Kravitz. Oh, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he also have like a full frontal uh, wardrobe malfunction that ended up all over social media? I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen his penis. That then it happened. I did. <laughs> I have not seen his penis. Well, Ashley, that might be the only dick pic I ever sent you because I feel like you need to see this picture. <laughs> oh no! I, I I'm know just that... gonna type in just Google Lenny Kravitz's penis, and you'll you'll see it. Okay, I will be sure to do that later on. You know, <laughs> you know, back back in the old days, you know, I'm old. I'm I'm uh, 54, and um, I'm old enough to have a couple of David Bowie albums, like uh, vinyl albums. And um, these albums in the old days, uh, you would open them up. Sometimes they're like books, like they had little booklets inside with all the lyrics and photo shoot and all that stuff. And I know that in a couple of those, you can practically see his uh his his nether regions like through very thin pants i don't remember what albums <laughs> it is but if if you look through 70s pictures you'll you'll see what i mean i'm gonna have to google those album covers he's like yeah 
I'm pretty sure you could Google David Bowie penis and you could maybe find something. Maybe. But I'm, I'm not going to try. Right now. Yeah, apparently he was not he was not uh, shy about it in uh, at least in the 70s when he was living in Berlin. He liked showing it to everybody and doing things <laughs> with it to everybody. <laughs> you know, I I should really watch out the things that I I make notes of in my notebook because uh, I now I, I in my notebook I have written down Google David Bowie's penis. <laughs> I will always know where that came from. <laughs> yep. I gotta get put on a list. Um, uh, so yeah, oh yeah, just uh, last last couple notes on the hunger. One, I thought it would make an excellent double feature with Highlander because um, even though they they feel totally different, they're both like heavy on romance. And yeah. in in Highlander, it's it's you know action adventure. In Hunger, it's horror. But they're they're both cross mixed with uh, you know a lot of romantic longing and stuff like that. The flashbacks are also very similar, and they came out a few years apart. So I think there's a lot of that going on those days. Um, and uh, and also yeah, I just wanted to say uh, that uh, I I had lunch with one of the composers of this movie in the late 80s and i told him what a you know huge fan of the hunger i was and um he was pretty handsy with me i don't know Ooh. if he was maybe on something that day or maybe he's just i mean it was the late 80s so i oh think we're a little goodness. different back then but since he wasn't like we weren't working with him and he wasn't my boss so it wasn't really a harassment type deal it was it was just i think he was just flirting but uh, but anyway, I will always remember that. I'll be like, oh, I met one of my composer heroes and he slapped my ass. You know? <laughs> it's like, what the hell? I mean, is, uh, but is it really a, like a lunch date without a little booty fondling? I mean, yeah, what, usually, what, what, what's a little bottom fondling among friends, you know? <laughs> I'm not saying that's the only time that happened to me, but that that was the only time for several years that that happened to me. It's, it's un, it was unusual, even in the eighties. <laughs> That's today. That would be an all-out scandal. But yeah, yeah I guess that's listeners for, for the record. Listeners for the record, I am just joking. If you're going to touch someone's butt, make sure you have their consent, please. The consent would have been <laughs> nice. I, I probably would have appreciated that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, just to, to, yeah, I, I don't want anybody canceled, so I'm not going to say which composer it was. There are three that worked on this movie. Um, but, uh, if you happen to be listening to the show, you know what you did. <laughs> How dare you? Exactly. <laughs> I hope they bought you a drink at least. They did. Or well, in Ashley's case, at least taking you to a winery. Take me to a winery first. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, that that's one of the problems with being in the workplace when you're too young. I think I was probably 19 or 20 when that happened. And I was already working. I was already at New World Pictures. And uh, I think I just wasn't ready for a lot of adult behavior. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that happened. I wouldn't have been happy about that even now, though. So, yeah. As, as is your right. Um, but yeah, uh, the, so The Hunger, uh, as much as I personally love it, um, and you know how I feel about the first 10 minutes, 
Uh, overall, I think the movie should get about a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's watchable. That's the seven, like it, they don't screw anything up. Uh, but the 0.5, I think for just making that extra art house leap with some of those shots that I've really never seen in any other movie. So recommended. So when you say 7.5 out of 10, um, out of 10, what? 10 being a perfect, like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, I would say a perfect 10. Oh, so, no. I mean, I mean, like uh, out of 10, well, out of 10 stars. I mean, I, I, oh, I'll i give you my. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Uh, I, I do remember now. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, 7.5 out of 10 stabby little onks. <laughs> and would you say this is a buy rent? Yeah, I would say it's a rent. Um, either you're going to love it or you're going to go, okay, that was interesting. Thanks, Vicious Victor. Next. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, well, there, I, there is something there is something of value in the movie, trust me. There, there are things that you'll like. Um, maybe not all of it, but some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley, uh, what, what rating and recommendation would you give this movie? I gave this seven out of ten horny vampiric fever dreams, and I call it a stream or a rental. But I did buy it, so yeah. I own it as like, well. If you like really like high ideal type things, then you're really gonna like it. I think. But you know me, I am schlock through and through. And you know that's interesting. It it is pretty schlocky. Like it it is. It can it's, it's, be. Yeah, it's there were all these like sort of romance neo noir shows on in the in the nineties. It reminds me of that, like uh, <laughs> silk stockings. Silk stockings, yes. Yeah, stuff like that. It's Fun. it's like soft core porn with yeah. with horror elements. That is the perfect way to describe this film. I mean, with considering that they don't ever say the word vampire, if it wasn't for the fact that there are other people who are, you know, uh, reliable narrators or people within their right mind, I guess you could say, um, when the whole blood test is being administered and the whole there's two there's two types of blood in 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 our main character. If it wasn't for that scene, the argument could be made that there are no vampires in this movie. And it's just a, 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 the story of a woman who is not in her right mind and drags another woman into her delusions. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think that part's really fascinating, but I don't know with, with this conversation, I am excited to watch the movie again because I like Ashley also bought the movie, but uh, I have to rate it with what I thought of it and what I thought of it was the fuck. So <laughs> I'm going to give this uh five out of 10 rapidly aging monkeys. And <laughs> I'm also going to give it a rent, but I am going to watch the movie again with uh, hopefully renewed understanding and yeah. maybe my score will go up. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say before we move on, um, I used to play a tabletop role-playing game 
uh, called Vampire the Masquerade. And uh, this movie was definitely formative to the game designers of that game. Like the, the it's, it's vampires in the modern world. And there's a lot of stuff that they lifted from this movie. Awesome. Oh, uh, you know, this. Cool. All right. Well, uh, should we move on to our next movie of the evening? My best friend is a vampire. And Ashley, since this was your pick, would you mind giving us a synopsis for this? Okay. Let's see if I can do this on the top of my head. A teenage grocery boy uh, is delivering to a home of a very sexy yet pedophilish vampire woman where he is seduced and turned into a vampire they are followed by some men who think his best friend is the vampire and are trying to kill him and chaos ensues for a person who's a teenager anyway it's basically just like a lot of teenage lore with vampires in it and a lot of uh homosexual overtones undertones overtones i don't know either one it was it was there and i don't know if that was a good thing for the 80s or a bad thing for the 80s it makes me think of nightmare on elm street part two where everyone thinks that that had you know a lot of elements in it but this one like seemed overtly so i i must have missed a lot of those just, I mean, okay, I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but just think about it because he's acting different. He doesn't want to talk about it. He says it's personal issues. His friend says he's having girl trouble. A man shows up outside his window and suddenly he's spending a lot of time with this older man who's like suddenly making him a lot cooler. He's dressing a lot better. He's got better taste. He becomes a little more refined. Like... A lot of things about this, <laughs> to me, just seems like it has those elements there. And then even at the end, like his parents were like, oh, we thought you were gay the whole time. No, I, I remember that. But I just thought it was the parents being silly because as oh. as the viewers, we clearly see that all of this is because of, the vampire. you know, his in, yeah, the vampire and, and his infatuation. His his seduction by a female and his infatuation with another female and and the a third female who's trying to get in his pants, but he has no affection for. So I just thought it was his parents being oblivious to their child's life is to what I thought. To me, it was like, and I'm not gay or anything so i can't speak for this community but for me it was like when you don't want to come out but people are encouraging you to so you're still seeking women and uh yeah it's just kind of not working out it's really not your thing like he's fumbling at every step and uh then he has someone there who like guides him you know and like helps him into the lifestyle so for me the lifestyle vampirism could have been interchange with homosexuality i i agree uh i think um you know a lot of times with fiction what, what's really cool about fiction is you can 
present a real world uh, dilemma that people that are reading it or watching it might be experiencing or uh, have somebody in their life that's experiencing it. And if you speak about it in metaphorical terms, like with vampires and mummies and stuff, uh, then, you know, well, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you get, uh, you know, metaphors for typical teenage problems uh, that are sort of monstrified and, you know, made into the narrative of the movie. And I think that's what they're trying to do here. If, if you take if if you if you just gender swap the uh the sexy female vampire at the beginning to a man it's totally a gay movie it's totally a coming out movie he's got like this best friend that he's really close with mm-hmm. but you know he doesn't want to get too close to him and yeah. uh, there's a lot of uh you know in the closet type panic in in this movie and there's this uh, weird castration dream that he has and uh, I think that yes. they just wanted. I think they they wanted the subtext in there, but they also wanted it to be enjoyed by you know straight audiences. And in 1987, you yeah. you you had to be pretty, I don't know, pretty vague about uh, stuff that uh, you know where, yeah. where you're saying our main character's gay. You know, it's like well then it's a gay movie. But this they didn't want to make a gay movie. They wanted to make a vampire comedy, so they kind of yeah. went in, into the middle ground. I, I can see that. I mean, I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from. Uh, for me, it, it was more instead of a gay narrative. And I'm I'm not saying that that's it, it's not. Uh, I just say like and, and like it like like Ashley, it might just be because I'm I'm a cisgender male. But um, I thought it was like an allegory for for like puberty, because, you know, his first sexual experience changes his life. Uh, he is unable to share that with his closed-minded father, who would normally <laughs> be uh, the one he would share this. And instead, he seeks uh, guidance from uh, an, a more open-minded uh, uh, male friend who is willing to kind of guide him through the woes of puberty. So, like, that's kind of what I thought. I thought it was more like a, a allegory mm-hmm. for puberty. But, I I mean, definitely. I it. Definitely the 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 gay undertones when you lay it out like that. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I I am a dumbass. Uh huh. No, I I think that's legitimate. Like I I think that it it is about puberty and um and you know being in high school and all that stuff too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's all. It's all in there. Uh, yeah, I think the the point where I I was like, oh, is this whole is this really a, a code for a gay thing? Is when uh Renee Abergenois appears. He's the older vampire that sort of mentors him yeah uh, like he really I, I don't know if if uh he was gay he, he's gay in real life but um he definitely his character comes across as you know sort of very cultured he drives a fancy car and uh he he yeah he pretty woman's the main mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. and uh and yeah that's, and that's when I thought oh okay maybe that's what this is about but um you know you know, I did not really pick up on that. And I, full disclosure, been watching this movie since I was a kid. Like, it was one of, it's a gateway horror movie, in my opinion. Uh, So I've been watching it since then. And it's just a fun movie. And I really didn't start picking up on this in the film until several years ago. And I was like, oh, this feels like a, yeah. And you said subtext, which is the word I was looking for earlier. Like, it feels very much to be the subtext of the film. Mm -hmm. So you've got, and you've got the, like, 
AIDS panic of the 80s kind of showing up because he's becoming pale and he's sick and mm. like that's an indicator to people like this may be a thing and I was like is this not a lighthearted movie anymore is there something going on behind the narrative that I never caught my entire life but yeah you know, it's funny that you say when you talk about the the AIDS epidemic because when when his mentor comes up to him uh, in his bedroom, which is yeah. only slightly creepier than uh, the the Twilight one. Yeah, I wrote that. When down. Edward keeps coming into, into he's Bella's just in bedroom. his room. Yeah, I know, right? Anyway, uh, when the the first time they have a conversation and he says, "Well, the woman you had a." Uh, a sexual experience with uh, she had uh, she had a dis- she was yeah she's infected or whatever the hell wording he said and yeah and he says to himself really she looks so clean <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> uh-huh. yeah I didn't put that together till just now but yeah I mean that narrative's there too so wow okay this movie just the talk about this movie just became about something other than the silliness of having Chateau de Swine behind the counter at a butcher. Mm-hmm. Well, also, yeah, Chateau yeah. de Swine. But if you want to talk about some silliness, can we talk about the scene where he's trying to like, like manipulate, like mind manipulate the girl <laughs> during yeah. marching band practice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As someone who I I was in marching band all four years of high school, and if someone had marched onto the field like that, I'd be like, "You need to get the fuck out of here right now! Or I'm gonna kick your ass." Yeah. So Shut I up. was. That made me livid. I was like, "You need you you need to pick your battles because this is not the time to have it, dude." It's the worst place to do that, and in front of so many people. Mm-hmm. He was in need of some vampire mentoring. Yes, yes, he was absolutely. very much so. And I love the Darla Blake character is the traditional, like, she's not the pretty one. Why do I like her? Like, we have um, that narrative going on. She just had short hair and glasses. That's the yeah, only, like, like, quote yeah. unquote, nerd thing about her. Yeah. She's super pretty. He said, Darla she... Blake is not someone you would call, period. She was gorgeous. Are you kidding me? I know she was so pretty. Mm-hmm. That yeah, smile down, had so me sorry smitten. she had glasses. Oh, sorry. What? No, no, you're you're right. Like just because of the glasses, the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah. let's go back to the beginning where he, <laughs> where this becomes very much a film about pedophilia <laughs> and, and how not to do that. I thought Chris Hansen was about to walk in, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie starts out with him working at a grocery store where they make deliveries. And then he goes to a spooky house and is seduced by this older vampire woman. And he's literally underage. And I have never like growing up. I didn't think anything about that, but now I do. Like I was thinking about it a lot that I wrote it down. I was like, this is gross. Mm-hmm. Like, but boys, they were just playing it off as boys back then would have loved an older woman to approach them and give them their sexual awakening. But it's pretty gross. <laughs> I mean, yes, it absolutely is. I mean, 
I won't say anymore. But um, <laughs> I this was the first time watch for me. And when sh- when Homegirl is like licking the blood off of his finger, yeah, I was like, oh, this is a problem. And then later when she's like, come back, come back around midnight. I'm a night owl. I'm like, oh no. And then he gets there. Oh no. And then she's in the laundry. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> It's about to happen, and it did. Mm-hmm. And then and he then, like runs out of there, balls ass naked, yeah. in like a silk sheet. Do you know how livid my parents would be if I was like seventeen years old, running back home in the middle of the night, completely naked in a silk sheet that they didn't buy? Oh my gosh! I like no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> His parents were so ridiculous. How do you not know? That your son has a man up in his room constantly. Yeah. No, it's just the radio. It's the radio. The, yeah. The, the parent, like the, the helicopter parenting is, uh, is sort of off and on in this. Like sometimes it applies. Sometimes it totally doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the mom with the police scanner. Oh, I wrote how funny it was that Jeremy showed up to the lady, the vamp lady's house in a suit. Yeah. He was like, I am going to. Like, really impress this woman in my seventeen-year-old suit. This... Look, if if she was real, if she was willing to get down and dirty, you know, seeing you and your grocery boy get up, then you you could have walked in there covered in mud, and she would have she would have still been down to pound <laughs> down, yeah, probably <laughs> down down to fuck. That's what I was trying to DTF. say. DTF, good, yeah, DTF, sweet Moses. And his bro was all like, yeah, get it. That's basically the whole narrative there. And then he gets mm-hmm. himself in trouble by being, he's just sitting out in the car in the driveway waiting for his best friend to fuck this vampire lady. He was living vicariously through him. Like, I, I wish guess. I could fuck a vampire lady. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely fantasized about that in high school. <laughs> When did you first see this movie, Victor? About a week ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Sadly, I was in college when the movie came out, and I don't I don't think I watched movies for that whole time. Uh, I was just too busy. I was like working part time, going to school, and I didn't just didn't get out to the movies. And uh, that's when this came out. So I, I missed love it. That. Yeah. <laughs> and you picked up on that subtext immediately, and it took me like fucking twenty years to. I'm a, I'm a slow burn. I had a lifetime of experience before. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that much older than me. I find that hard to believe. I am 37, so hmm. you do, you can do the math. I can't do it in my head. Well, you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> Genetics, I guess, make me have a baby face. But uh, anyway, let's talk about david warner as the professor oh my gosh <laughs> he's this like very talented very like employed actor <laughs> and i knew him from this movie i would see him in other movies i'm like hey that's the guy from my best friend is a vampire and i'm not sure that that's the legacy he wanted to leave behind that's so funny he died recently didn't he yeah yeah, he's such a great actor, and he's so funny in this movie. And Grimsdyke, that's another thing, Grimsdyke. Mm. 
I was just the whole like professor and goon thing just made me laugh throughout the whole film. Yeah. He was always fucking it up anyway. And like there's the scene in the club, that weird vamp club they went to. Yeah. And he shoots the wooden arrow through that guy's speaker, but then he gives Grimsdyke the what is that thing called? Crossbow? Yeah. And just runs off and lets him get beat up. Yeah. He's not a great <laughs> he's not a great boss. He's not a great boss. He is hilarious, but he was very much able to be seduced and turned just on a whim. So he wasn't that great of a vampire killer. No, he wasn't. He wasn't exactly Van Helsing. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, he he uh, Warner is a great actor. Like it, you know, it just watch The Omen from '76. Like he's oh, fantastic yes. in that. Oh yes, and I will also have to mention Gregory Peck because I'm in love with him. It's just no, it's just funny that you're talking about like, oh, it's the guy from My Best Friends a Vampire. Like that's where you know him. I had to look into his IMDb credit just to see <laughs> like what other like amazing things he's done. I mean, he's been a Titanic scream too. Titanic. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Privateer too. Yeah. Some very good things. And my recollection of him is this film. And it's a fond one because to me, I'm having cinematic nostalgia disorder over this movie mm. because I did watch it so young and I watched it at the VHS. I wore that thing out. Nice. It, yeah. So, and I don't think it's on Blu-ray yet, but as soon as it hits, I'm getting it. If anyone, I'm probably the only human being on this planet that's interested in that release so it's probably not gonna happen no but what's I really mean, cool i would buy it sorry go ahead victor yeah no it's really cool that we're living in in an age where you know smaller like boutique releasers can acquire the rights to these movies that haven't already been scooped up and release them fairly inexpensively and that's why we're seeing a lot of rare movies like hit the market in physical format which couldn't make me happier yeah it's a really cool I my media collection is just growing and growing all the time. Same. I had to buy a new shelf for stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I need to do today. I kept thinking I need to do something after the podcast and it was buy a shelf. I got to go to Target. Um, I'm also going to Target. Well, I'm going to Costco first, but then I'm going to Target. Target. So let's Yay. talk about the steak smoothie. Did anyone find that appealing to <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I love how he like wrings out the blood from that oh. steak like it's a rag. <laughs> that is so disgusting. I really yeah. almost puked. It's a it's a protein deficiency. Like <laughs> raw meat. Just totally blended up that meat in the blender, and his dad tasted it and was like, ugh. And that's actually a through line with the hunger because Susan Sarandon, when she's in the process of changing in the hunger, orders this super rare steak and then she can't eat it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, start turning into a vampire, crave raw meat. Vampire or zombie because in I, Zombie, she eats like fresh brains or something to keep herself. But that's kind of funny. Uh those were like the levity elements along with his complete 
inability to just bag the girl he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, she's like in the car with him. And when they're doing that, he just takes her on a car chase with the guys in the van who have his best friend. Cause they like took him from the pizza place that they keep going to. And he, and he just thinks that's fine. He's like, I'm going to take you on a car chase. I'm going to drop to you that I'm a vampire at the same time. And hope that you still like me afterwards yeah his game is not strong y'all no um and you know all that does make the character really sympathetic or at least i thought so like i wanted him to to yeah to win uh he's he's definitely an underdog <laughs> throughout the movie he really he, is he, you know what i loved seeing because this was a first time watch for me also um when uh, when homeboy goes to pick up uh, Darla for their first date and the dad is like offering, oh, you want a drink? Blah, blah, blah. And like, no, I'm driving. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that scene, I loved that because when the mom comes out, I'm like, is that Kathy Bates? Yeah. Homegirl, is that Kathy, Kathy Bates? Bates? I, I had to look it up. I'm like, that is that has to be either Kathy Bates or someone who looks so much like her that I'm confused. <laughs> it's, so I look at I'm like, it's Kathy Bates. Bates. I'm like, oh my gosh, she looks amazing. Yeah, Kathy Bates is in this. Um, she uh, obviously she's also in Misery, one of my favorite horror movies. Oh um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, also um, the main character's mom is Fanny Flag. Fanny Flag, uh, who wrote mm. Fried Fried Green Tomatoes. It's and you know where I know her from. Probably none of you know Match Game because I like watching old game shows. I don't and know when what I that is Match Game, oh man, that is such a fun game from like the seventies. I think it's just a bunch of celebrity panelists and people. I don't know. You try to get the celebrities to match you as best as possible, and then you win. But it's just really funny. But yeah, I saw that and I was like, "Hey, that's Fanny Flag." <laughs> I have a weird taste in TV and film, and so. that's why we love you, Ashley. Yeah, mm-hmm. has to, <laughs> something has to be endearing about me, and that's it. But yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about this movie because it's pretty just. <laughs> My whole focus was, oh wow, the subtext of this film makes a, whoo, makes uh Nightmare on Elm Street two look pretty tamed. And yet somehow I didn't pick up on that, but you know that's that's still I'm I'll watch it again. I bought it on digital, so I mean spoilers. <laughs> I have all of these the the mo- all the movies we have tonight I have on digital, um. But I did you guys think that uh the best friend who was being hunted by the professor and Grimsdyke the entire, I mean, first of all, at one point they were going to crossbow him in the chest in broad daylight. And I thought, wow, that, that would have been a different movie if they had just shot him in the chest and whatnot. But I mean, it, it added some levity, but did you guys think that that guy was more attractive than our actual main character? Oh, yeah, he was more socially attractive, like socially acceptably attractive for the 80s. Like he looked like an 80s heartthrob and he was getting none of the action except trying to be murdered. I mean, he he was 
he was gorgeous, man. Great jawline, great hair, good build. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like the best friend that he he does have game, but he talks about it so much that you know people are afraid of him. They're they're afraid of going out with him. So, you know, he's like it comes across as too much of a freak, and and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why he doesn't get any action. But yeah, I totally thought about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> it it didn't make a lot of sense, but it makes sense in the. Like, I couldn't have seen that character being the vampire. Like, I can totally see. I almost called him Charlie because it's so reminiscent of Fright Night. Uh, Jeremy. Yeah. If you think about the age group of Charlie and Amy in Fright Night, it's the same as Darla and Jeremy. So, they're probably piggybacking off of the Fright Night success, too. But this... (laughs) In a very different way. Could be. Did Fright Night come out before this? Uh, Fright Night, I think, was 85. Oh, okay. Was it? I mean, this came out in 87. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Fright Night was 85. I mean, if comparably close. I mean, I don't want to look it up, but you're probably right, Ashley. Yeah. I don't like being wrong. Let me look it up. Uh, maybe you know maybe oh it is nailed it yeah pretty close um but yeah i i wanted to ask maybe you guys know there's a scene in this movie where the main character is locked in a freezer uh and the freezer has one of those super long knobs it's like a knob at the end of this really long hole and do either of you know like this also appears in the shining when uh, Jack gets locked in the storage room. Do you know what the hell that is? Why why, why doors are made that way <laughs> with those things? I don't know. Maybe to keep the air super tight. Hmm. Well, those, uh, I mean, the, 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 the doors on the like walk-in freezers, fridges, and pantries that I've seen and worked on uh, in my job, are very thick and heavily insulated. So there has to be a, a long handle uh, door handle shaft oh. to accommodate for the thickness of the door. Yeah. I never I mean, thought what, about that. What, uh, in um, le- Let's say your, your average bedroom door is an inch and a quarter thick. Um, but a lot of the ones that I've seen at work are about four to six inches thick. Mm-hmm. So. Just like my dick. Oh my god! <laughs> there we go. I'm, there it goes, I'm everybody. so sorry. <laughs> Check off your bingo card. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, Hold on. Guys... That might be that might be the title of our episode: four to six inches thick. Unless you guys have anything else to say about this. Uh, no, I noticed that they licensed an Oingo Boingo song, which is pretty rare. Um, I guess they were not gigantic band at that point, but they were pretty huge in LA where I grew up and, uh, they became notoriously expensive as soon as they hit the, the big fame. So I was surprised to oh, really to see that there, there are actually a couple of costly, like the car chase looks pretty expensive in this movie and it that, does. that song. Yeah. I was just unusual. Which car unusual. chase? There's like four of them. Yeah. There's a bunch. Um, and, and, you know, they have to basically shut down the city to do stuff like that. It couldn't have been cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, the Oingo Boingo license surprised me because you never hear it in in uh, movies uh, or hardly ever. And now you know why, because they're fucking expensive. They're super expensive. <laughs> I I loved the soundtrack for this movie. I mean, first of all, the movie the movie itself is aggressively eighties. Like the the tightest waists, the hardest angled shoulder pads. I mean, at one point, like oh, the, yeah. the 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 quote unquote nerdy girl, she's wearing a top that makes her look like such a hard hourglass shape that yes. if you were just to cut her off at the shoulders you could tilt her up and tilt her upside down and she would stay standing like that's yes. how hard her shoulder pads were i'm like wow this movie is like 80s up the ass <laughs> it was very aggressively 80s and maybe that's what i liked about it also but i mean i was here for it it was it was a and very the music, strange time. Same, same with the music, man. I was vibing yeah. with the music hardcore. I'm gonna oh, yeah. get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another. I loved it. Yeah, Blondie. Um, and the the comp- weirdly the composer, uh, Steve Dorf, not Stephen Dorf from Blade. Um, they're two different guys. Uh, but um, Steve Dorf is a, another guy I've had lunch with who was a perfect gentleman. <laughs> that's a good story there we go your life is unlike something i could imagine (laughs) (laughs) you and pastor matt both like your stories i'm like what the hell i'm actually surprised i never had lunch with pastor matt in the (laughs) i know like how did you not intersect yeah we dealt with a lot of the same people i would like love you two need to sit down like and only talk about your stories like nothing else mm. i would love to be like a fly on the wall for that conversation like uh, my dinner with andre but i'll just i'll just shut up at the at the at the table and just eat just continually order fries so i can sit there and eat while you <laughs> while i listen to you guys talk yeah that would be cool so are we ready to uh, race this yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. let's read this let me, moment there yeah let me pull up uh that page here real quick uh all right uh ashley what do you give this victor went first last time so uh ashley what what do you give this okay <clears throat> just keep in mind this is my c and d probably i give this a 9.5 out of 10 vampire predator women soliciting sex from underage high school grocery delivery boys Oh my gosh, are you going to make me write that whole thing no, down? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put vampire predator. child predators? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I was but like, I, holy shit, I, like, I don't wait know. Wait a dude. second. <laughs> um, I love this movie so much. I watched it so much growing up. Uh, I mean... Obviously, we've heard me talk. I was thrown into the horror world just without a life jacket when I was little. So it's not like I needed a gateway horror because I didn't have any. I just was just thrown in and was told to swim. But uh, this is a good one that I've shown Caroline. So if you want to show your kids a movie, I think this one's pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah, this one's really cool. I can't. Okay, never mind. Um, real, real quick. No, well, I'll get into it. Um, Victor, what, uh, what's your rating? I will give it a seven out of ten. 
Super long doorknobs. <laughs> Super long. And what did you say? Buy rent. I would say uh, rent. Um, re- I I really quickly wanted to <laughs> wanted to point out the end where the 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 mentor dude comes and like saves the day with the power of like uh all female vampire orgy and turns the the professor the the vampire hunter into a vampire and he's like well i guess i'm going to go off and hang with them and have crazy vampire sex bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he was like it took no convincing it was just like okay that's why i'm like he sucks he's not a good vampire hunter come on I mean, once you've had a vampire orgy, it does not take much convincing, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's all all it takes. Yeah. Giant vampire orgy and you're just, it's over for you. Absolutely. I'd be smitten, but I just wanted to point that out at the end. Um, But I'm going to give this, I... I enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, I'm going to bump mine up one half point. I'm going to give it that extra half point. So I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10 Jewish vampires. <laughs> and I'm going to say bye. Say bye. Oh, uh, yeah. I meant to say that. Bye. I I assumed that was a bye. I already wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. It was a lot of fun. The only thing that was weird was the whole child molestation. Yeah. The seduction of a minor. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't the culture back then was different. I'm not saying it's okay, but like my dad married my mom when she was 17 and he was 21. Damn. And that happened a lot in the South. So I don't know. He was pretty young too. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. But like, I don't know if that was an 80s thing that needed to stop. Because if we go back even further, then, like, my grandparents probably got married when they were, like, fucking 15 or something. Like, you know. Oh, no, thank you. No. Hard hard pass on that. No, no, no. But then, like, back then you started working a full-time job. Like, my grandfather worked a full-time job after third grade. I mean, I've been working since a very young age so that's uh, i don't know working doesn't mean you're ready to be like an adult in your relationships i'm just saying no it's true but they did stay married for 70 years wow oh good autumn that's cool but also women there's so many dynamics at play for like older couples that make them stay together but this is not what this podcast is about. That's right. You're going to have to listen to our other podcast, which is <laughs> Fuck the Patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> All right. 30 days <clears throat> a night? 
All right, 30 days of night. Moving on. I'll go ahead and give the synopses for this one. I'm going to try and make it up here on the spot. Uh, <clears throat> during the winter months in Barrow, Alaska, where the sun sets for 30 days and does not rise until the end of the month, um, the entire town is seized, seized, laid, laid, seized upon, seized, attacked. Yeah. The entire town is attacked <laughs> by, by a group of vicious, ravenous vampires who, uh, come to, I guess, make a all you can eat buffet out of the town's residence. The townspeople have to, uh, uh, survive until daybreak in an all-out battle against the vampires and uh it's a very interesting story because uh, jay the dead would call like a prolonged threat like this kind of survival horror because uh -huh. it's a it's a precarious situation, and the, the longer you're in it, the least likely you are to survive, especially when they get into the attic. Um, uh -huh. But it's also like beastly freak horror because they're against, um, you know, vampires, and these yeah. vampires don't give a fuck. They are feral, ravenous, bloodthirsty, violent sons of bitches. And I love everything about them. However, I will make an argument. I will make an argument that based on what we see these vampires do in this movie and based on what we can see, what we see that the vampires can do in Twilight, that the Twilight vampires would fucking obliterate these vampires, hands down. No contest, but I'm just like, I'm just saying, just saying. Anyway, I can't compare notes on that because I've not seen all the Twilight movies. Like it, they're, they're practically gods. Like, yeah. Mm. Like the only thing that could kill a Twilight vampire is either one of the wolves or another vampire. Like they, there is no possible way. They're too fast, too strong. Too durable. Yes, it is a much tamer movie, but just the nature of what they are capable of yeah. is superior to this. Anyway, I'm, I'm just but I'm yeah. just saying. Fortunately for the vampires that break into the town in this movie, all they have to do is defeat a bunch of dudes and women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I mean they are hardcore, like survivalists living the living the harsh Alaskan winter, dudes and women who know how to handle their shit. I mean they fuck up some vampires, and yeah. they hold their own pretty damn good. But again, they they still didn't stand a chance. But I love this movie so damn much, man. Oh, and I mean we have. Uh, uh, Josh Hartnett giving an amazing performance. We have uh, Ben Foster as the stranger, the like the Renfield character who uh, kind of is, is a if that scout. Was yeah, it's Ben. Yeah. Almost unrecognizable. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. I thought for a, I got a glimpse of him and I was like, is that Ben Foster? And then I forgot to look it up. 
Yeah, yep. it for damn sure is. We got Manu Bennett, uh, who plays the Billy character, who is so damn tragic. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in Spartacus, the uh, TV series. It He sure is. And we've seen his penis. So. <laughs> Another penis I've yet to see. Well, I mean, it's three we, this episode, four if we count yours. My, oh, I mean, all right. It, look, it, just watch Spartacus and you'll get lots of penis. Lots <laughs> of penis. I'm good. Also, Euphoria, if you <laughs> has lots of penis. I keep, oh, yeah. I keep meaning to watch that. I really do. That um, it's talk great. about pedophilia, though. Ooh, gross. Um, we also have a uh, Danny Danny Houston who plays the lead vampire, uh, Marlo, mm-hmm. and his his performance. The like, I don't know what sort of language dialect they 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 have. Yep. But my gosh, I love when he's talking to the to the woman who were they they were just using his bait to lure out any remaining humans. And yeah. when she fails to lure out anyone else, she's like, "No, there's no one left. You you killed everyone." And she, she knows she's about to die. Yeah. And she just says, "No, no, no, please God." And he's like, "God." I wrote that down. I I love that scene so damn much. (laughs) God, no God. I loved that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It was amazing. Plus, I mean, I have to give credit to any movie that will decapitate a little girl Mm. with an axe. I wrote that you would love that. I was fully erect. (laughs) <laughs> i figured you were mm-hmm. i was like mm, that's roll's thing i thought roll probably got a boner when that kid zombie was killed yeah or i mean the girl isn't a, a badass though like she's totally tatted up and you know um and she's <laughs> she's one of them i mean she's uh, yeah. who knows how long she's been alive she's just turned to a vampire when she was 10 Super or whatever <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But I mean, she's still she's still in the eyes of the audience a symbol of innocence. She's a little girl. Yeah. So yeah, she's a vampire, but it it it's what her character symbolizes, you know? The the taboo that most movies aren't willing to cross of killing a child. Because after all, who could kill a child? Uh what else was I gonna say? If you if you look at the movies that I have on like my top 10 lists especially the top five you have alien and of course the thing um misery these are movies that take place in isolation there's a sense of claustrophobia in just the setting you're in and i'm not talking about a confined space i'm talking about no other outside resource coming to help so it's no surprise that i absolutely love this movie plus it has the that that overhead shot of of the town yeah and it it just goes through the town and 
everyone is getting fucked up. Like the <laughs> vampires are getting shot with shotguns. Humans are getting ripped apart. There's blood splatter in the snow, that beautiful crimson on that gorgeous white. Yeah. It is such a feast for the eyes. And Oh man, I I love 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 this movie. I don't know what what did you guys think? Ashley, had you seen this movie before? No, this is the first time for me. You, uh, I do bastard. have a qu- <laughs> I have a question though. On my viewing of this, it looked really grainy, and it looked like the town and everything in it was CGI made. It looked like the snow was CGI. It looked like the village was CGI. It didn't look like a real place. And I don't know if that's like my 4K TV or what. So I was going to add before I made a judgment call on that. I needed to know, is that what it's supposed to look like? I I didn't notice that when I rewatched it, Um, but I don't have a 4K TV. It may have been my TV because it looked to me like the village looked like tiny houses that they had set up and put like detergent on to make it look like snow and just did a bunch of shots on a tiny village i think that's what they actually did when they made the movie um but uh 4k really brings it out yeah no i also i have somewhat of a, a stupid theory about that maybe um i know that they use a lot of the technique especially in the fight scenes where they remove frames from the movie to make it look more visceral to make the, the yeah, yeah. characters jump a little bit more like the first you know big battle and gladiator they do that um and uh maybe that on the 4k tv uh brings out the i don't know the the lines of the, the hologram so. field yeah <laughs> Because that is where I got a little lost on the movie because overall loved it. And I didn't think I would. I think we've had this discussion in the past. I haven't watched it because I thought I would be bored Mm -hmm. because I did read the comics. I wasn't bored by the comics at all, but I just thought, oh, this is going to be an action film of some sort. I don't know, but I really liked it. There are action horror parts like uh, the the, the scene where, uh what's his name uh the 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 mark uh, mark boone jr character yeah or not yeah. The, the actor when he jumps into that uh i don't even know what it is it is the biggest fucking chainsaw i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah six and a half foot chainsaw with t3 inches long it was it was yeah. crazy yeah. and you know he's driving through making his way making his way downtown walking fast faces pass and he's snowbound um, and he's just shoot really not a laugh at that. Cool. And <laughs> it's, it's called a trench. It's called a trencher, a trencher. Cool. I wrote it down. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at one point he shoots a vampire onto the trencher and just obliterates that bastard. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. awesome. And then his self-sacrifice, well, attempted self-sacrifice, but yeah, right, he survives. Gets blasted. It would have been better if he didn't. That just was insane, man. Right? I know. Okay. I know. That's what he wanted. But I was just like, he's alive. He's <laughs> yeah. still alive. Oh ain't, man! Ain't no one gonna survive a box of dynamite exploding literally between their legs. No one. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was. That's funny, though. Mm -hmm. There's a line in this film where they said that cold weather, that cold ain't the weather, it's death approaching. Was that Ben Foster's character? Yeah. 
I loved that line. Like me too. God, that's a good line. I I love everything about what Ben Foster does in this movie. I mean, when he's just sitting there in the cell. And then Josh Hartnett's grandma goes, oh, the, the the computer's down. His eyes just shoot open because he knows what that means. Yeah. You yeah. love that. It was so good. Mm-hmm. I wrote down we need a Josh Hartnett revival. We do. He's so good. Like this movie just really highlights his acting prowess. Homeboy can act. He's got a range. He was yeah. good. His beard was very much thirst vibes as well. So because Oh, I, I think Manu Bennett had a better beard in my opinion. Manu's a yeah. pretty pretty hairy he's, dude. He's yeah, a he pretty is. good beard too. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> what did you guys think about what I guess we I should call him Billy, what Billy did in response to the vampire threat? You have to give me more context, or go ahead, Victor. Oh, uh, wait, which character is Billy? The 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 man who Bennett the oh, uh, you know that escapes me. I know that he did something. I think he calls, he calls for help. Uh, but I know that uh, that Josh Hartnett's character really blames him for what he did, and I was just like, what did he do? Like I didn't quite get it, but I know he's he's really regretful about it. Um. But he's he's alone, like he's sequestered himself in the generator room or whatever, oh. and uh, and I think he just gives an SOS. He uh, is but, alone. Yeah, uh, he killed his whole we, family. He killed his oh. entire family because he and didn't want child. to see them. Yeah, and Josh Hartner was like, "You don't do that to family, or like you take care of your family, or something." That makes you sense. don't ever hurt them. You don't says, ever hurt so. them. Yeah, I, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, he fucked up. And I did laugh. Heaven help me. I did laugh when his arm got taken in that uh grinder. That it's that is such a realistic <laughs> scene. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know why, but I laughed out loud. I was just like <laughs> There's yeah, just just you guys listening to this know what we're talking about. Like, think of a paper shredder, except this is like an industrial scale paper shredder with like these metal logs with metal teeth yeah. rotating, like four of them rotating at super high speed. So anything mm-hmm. that goes in there, man, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's essentially the end of uh, Halloween oh, ends. Halloween ends. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, just kidding, mm-hmm. oh, Victor. I'm so sorry. I'm. So, I, I will say <laughs> nothing okay. more. That's okay. I think you're pretty, you're in a good position having not seen it. Don't see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I will see it eventually. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, But uh, <laughs> that man, that when he loses his arm in that and there is gushing blood, he's screaming bloody murder. Yes. And then his scream goes from, from human to the, the the vampire screech. wailing screeching but he's still reacting to his arm it's just the transformation of him his nature his mm. uh, autonomy not autonomy yeah no yeah anatomy his anatomy is changing right his teeth get sharper his voice is like screeching screeching mm-hmm. and 
everyone else doesn't know what to do. So while he's in agony, Josh Hartnett just <laughs> boom smashes Josh that axe right into his neck. And you, the camera does not cut away. You see no. that chop and the following one. It's no, really think of, like this is not like a fantasy or a fairy tale execution where you know the executioner just goes with one blow and it's like, hey, it's over. Um, Manu Bennett is a really strong dude with a really big neck, and the movie plays that up. Like he's mm-hmm. got to take a couple of swings at it uh, before it's done, and it's super gory. Yeah. I liked that too. It was realistic. It wasn't like a Jason Voorhees axe to the neck where he just takes the head off in one swipe. He has to keep doing it in front of your eyes and you have to watch. And all the people saw. It was good. It was really good. Yeah. You know, um, I I would like, it's interesting. We were were just talking about uh, how, you know, movies are kind of, you know, horror movies that that I've seen come out lately have been a bit more, a bit softened for a, a broader audience, for a younger audience. Um, this is the opposite. Like this came out in 2007 and just the first act, like when the vampires first come to town, yeah. um, it goes super hard. Like it's super gory, super violent. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's almost like it's too much like in the first act because it's really hard for them to top it. But the the final, but that that scene with the uh, with with that uh, chainsaw vehicle, yes, <laughs> does top it. And there's a scene awesome. at the end that also tops it. Yeah. So they, but it's really intense. Yeah. Um, so I remember when the comics first came out, and they were touted as like extreme, like this. These are feral, extreme vampires. They even came up with their own language, so you can't even understand them. And like that was the selling point of it. So yeah, like I think they really got that right. These, oh my gosh, these vampires are so damn scary. Like these are probably the like as far as what's depicted on the screen, they are probably the scariest vampires I can imagine running into. Yes. 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 Yeah, they they don't even their faces are starting to not even look human. Like they yeah. are I don't know how they do that, but uh they like their pupils are huge and uh and obviously they're really pale and the teeth, but there's something sort of alien looking about the makeup that they put on the faces that uh, yeah. is subtle, but it you notice it and it's yeah. scary. <laughs> And in, in, in some of them, they raise the cheekbones just ever so slightly, yeah. or they elongate like the nose bridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not to like cartoonish degrees, like uh, like what you see in like uh, Buffy the Vampire, like the TV show, right? Um, but it's 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 very so it's it's like we were talking about with the Megan, it rides that line into the uncanny valley, and I think that's what makes them so damn effective. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I really liked this one. Mm-hmm. I did write that. I didn't know if Eben is an idiot or a genius. I wasn't sure on that ending. Oh, I was like, yeah, maybe that was the only way, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I always like the trope, and I know it's a trope, but I do like the trope of the only way to combat evil. Is by becoming evil. Hmm. Yeah. And he 
it was just so funny. Like, if we want to talk about the ending now, he he, his idea was to take some blood from the character. What was his name? Billy's decapitated. Billy, yeah, Billy. And inject it into a system so he could become vampiric and fight them. Because mm-hmm. at this point, they have set fire to the entire village and there was no way out. Right. And you have the other character and the little girl under a car and either they would run and get killed or they would catch fire and get killed. So either way, they're dead. So his thought was, let me just go beat the shit out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. And he punched right through that dude's head. Yes, he did. And yeah, it's did. a great, it's it's like a duel. Um, I think mm-hmm. what yeah. I would have loved to have seen was some kind of power struggle within the vampires before that happened that Josh Hartnett saw where somebody called out the, you know, Marlowe, the leader, and they had a duel and Marlowe kicked his ass. Like then Hartnett will at least know because what I thought is like when he injected himself and went out to fight Marlowe, I was like, they're just going to gang up on him and shred him, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't, you know, they, they let him do the one-on-one fight, um, which is great. But I just think it needed a little foreshadowing. Uh, but, but yeah. anyway, it was, it was I still mean, a that, badass move. <laughs> that, that would have been cool. I think that would have been nice to see, but I think the, the, the vamp, in my opinion, the vampires act, less like human at times and more like a pack of wolves to, to me yeah. it kind of yes. made sense yeah. that this intruder would th- th- challenging the pack would be you know showed up by the alpha of the pack and that the pack would back down w- if the alpha was defeated it, that in, in my mind that made sense could have been broadcasted a little bit more clearly yes yeah that's a good point. That's that's a good point. And there are, I mean, these are people that live on the edge of the wilderness, so they're mm-hmm. used to dealing with animals. And there's even a bunch of dogs in this movie that sadly don't make it past the first act. So trigger warning, yes. uh, if anybody can't take uh, violence against animals, it's not real, obviously, but um, but there are some dogs that are merciful, m- mercilessly uh, dismembered <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, simulated. It's not Friday the 13th. No. No. I figured that you would like this movie because of the ending. It was basically like, we made it, except everything's on fire or destroyed. Everyone is dead. Blood is through the streets. And now my boyfriend or whoever they were at the end there is literally festering right in front of me. Mm Mm-hmm. In the sunlight, I, I, I do love how nihilistically it ends. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I do love that, but I do love like the last shot. Is uh is, uh Stella, like, her, her the look in her eyes is so angry and vengeful. Yeah, I love that because I mean, you guys know how much I love a good, strong female protagonist. So yeah, uh, it, it it really paints like a possible continuation into a, the next movie, yeah. which kind of spoilers isn't the best, but I do own it. I he do have a problem. His... Sorry, what were you going to say, Ashley? I was just going to say he made good on his promise when he said the sun was going to come up tomorrow and we're going to watch it together. Yes. Yes, he did. That was a little foreshadowing, right? Yeah. I do have yeah. one problem. 
And that was uh, the guy that was under the porch who his wife got dragged away and then he got clawed in the face. Yeah. Right. It's I am led to believe that that claw to the face is what turned him. Mm-hmm. And hmm. it, like because we don't see him get bitten. Right. We don't see that on screen. Yeah. It is unusual yeah. that he's in, he's in the same place that he got scratched. Mm hmm. And so and I'm I, th- thinking that supports and, it. And and Marlo, the other vamp the, the head vampire, he strictly tells everyone, don't don't turn anyone. Decapitate them. We don't want anyone turned. So I'm led to believe that if someone had if if the vampire who attacked his wife had bitten him, mm-hmm. um, you know, he would have decapitated him. But in my mind, it was just like the vampire got his wife and kind of forgot about the struggle between the the husband. So in, in my mind, in, in, in my head canon, that scratch is what turned that guy, correct? Yeah, I guess so. So if it's something as little as a scratch that can turn someone into a vampire, Stella and Eben at the very end share a kiss. Wouldn't she be an ex- Exactly. An exchange of fluid. Wouldn't that also turn who into a vampire? Couldn't it? But that's I haven't seen part two. Does that happen? Uh, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen part two either. Oh man, I I bought it recently because I want to watch it again. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that's some continuity issue, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, it's honestly really the only negative I have on the movie. Everything else is fantastic. The only negative I had is the viewing experience, which could have totally been my TV. <laughs> I, I oh. think it was your TV. Yeah. And I don't like I at Christmas I bought all new TVs, so I don't have a TV to watch it on to see if it is. Uh, yeah. No, I think technology marches on. There's really nothing we can do about those things. I mean, I can't tell you how many movies I've just watched on Blu-ray and gone, oh, I can see the paint strokes in the background on the sky, or you know, I, yeah. I see where the makeup ends and the actual face begins and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Because they didn't know, like they didn't know that technology was gonna happen when they made these movies. So Yeah. 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 Totally don't fault that. Um, because the plot and what I was being presented was so good that it didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The well, comic... I am sorry. Go ahead, Victor. Oh, no, I was just going to say the comic was uh, written by Steve Niles and drawn by Ben Temple Smith. And um, what's interesting about it is they originally conceived or, or Steve Niles originally conceived it as a screenplay and he was shopping it around Hollywood and everybody rejected it, including the people who eventually made this movie so he was like, well, I don't want this to go to waste and be nothing. So he got together with Temple Smith and they made the, the comic and then it became famous. And then he shopped that around Hollywood and the studio was like, yeah, we want to do this. <laughs> nice. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because that comic world was a world. big hit. Yeah, and the comic looks really cool. I mean, you're right. It's well written. Uh, and I, I definitely want to track some other things that um, Niles has done. Uh, but 
uh, he the it's very striking looking. There's a lot of like studies in black and white and and stuff like this. This is all set in the snow. It's a very unusual looking comic, but it's worth it's worth checking out. Yeah, I agree. And I would <clears throat> still have it if I could find where all my horror comics went. Well, I am just about done sucking this movie off. So <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know if if you guys have something else to say. Uh, I just just have one thing. Um, I thought the music was absolutely fucking phenomenal in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just it was so good that I it was it's one of those cases where I just stayed to watch the end of the movie just to so I could see who did it. And it's it's a guy named Brian Reitzel who used to drum for a band called L, uh, Red Cross, and um, he. It was so striking to me that I kept it in the back of my mind. And then I was working on this video game called Red Faction Armageddon. And we were talking about what we wanted the music to be. And all of a sudden I was like, Brian could fucking nail this game. And it was a big struggle, but I hired him. I hired him to do the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we became pretty close for for that time. And he's got an amazing studio. He showed me everything that he did for 30 Days of Night. And wow. let me tell you, yeah, this is like, this goes back to like Beetlejuice, like dangerous art. Like this is, there's, there is a sound. Uh, and I, when I saw it on this rewatch, I noted the time it's at one hour and 25 minutes <laughs> into the movie, <laughs> but there's a sound like like that in the background. Yeah. That's, that's part of the musical score. And what Brian did for that, because he's a percussionist. Um, so what he did was he affixed a drumstick to a clay wheel and with with um, motion controls for his feet. And then he put on a like a protective helmet and he had the drumstick like do revolutions uh, on the on the clay wheel and hit a different, uh, you know, a, a different sounding piece of metal every time it went around. And he kept the, the protective face clothing on because if it flew off, like it could. Yeah. <laughs> it could oh, my somebody. God. That's so cool. But that's where he got that sound from. Yeah, it's it's an amazing score. That's freaking rad. I'm going to go to that. I wrote down that time marker and I'm going to go directly to that after this recording. <laughs> it's incredible. Like uh, guys like Brian and uh, Cliff Martinez that does a lot of uh, Steven Soderbergh stuff. They they are you know, they they became really practiced musicians doing percussion. So their scores often what you think is uh, is just synthesizer isn't like it's them like rubbing bells with weird uh, devices and stuff like that to get that sound. Yeah. Of course, yeah, Brian also has a sequencer and all that stuff, so it sounds super modern, but a lot of it's percussion. So it's it adds to the intensity for sure. <laughs> Man, that's freaking dope! I can't wait to check that out again because I I must have missed that. I can't I can't think of what that sound is, and I've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times. No, I haven't heard it in a movie before or since. <laughs> oh, that's freaking that awesome. So cool. uh, Ashley, did you have anything else to add before we go into final thoughts and ratings? No, I'm good. Cool. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and rate this movie first since I have yet to go first on a, on a movie tonight. Uh, I am unsurprisingly going to give this 10 out of 10 decapitated little girls. I'm going to say <laughs> buy, own this movie, buy it twice, Keep it under your pillow, give it secret kisses, rub it all over your nipples. Like this is, <laughs> this is 
a fantastic movie. This movie is so damn good. I I own like three or four copies of this movie, and I love it so damn much. Uh, this is a movie I will watch at least five times a year. Uh, th- this is probably my fifth time, fourth time watching it in within the year. Um, and probably my second time watching it just this winter. I love this movie. Love it. Um, and I, of course, you know, buy it. Buy it in every way possible. Yes, I agree. Uh, Victor, what would you give this movie? Uh, I would give it an 8.5. Um, but I would, I just wanted to say one thing we didn't talk about is there's a scene where Marlowe plays a record with his fingernail because mm-hmm. the fingernails are so fucking sharp that it's oh, basically like a record. Yes. Needle. <laughs> and, uh, and the way they kind of groove to the weird music it's making is super creepy. So I give this movie a 8.5 record playing fingernails. <laughs> that was a cool scene. Yes. And uh, yeah, I recommend that you buy it because it is unique. I, I think that uh, they they backed off of the extreme uh, visceral action of this movie because it was maybe too intense for audiences when it came out. I never saw this in the theater, but that would be uh, a a mind-blowing experience. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've seen it twice on, on video and it blew my mind both times. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. It's a keeper. It's a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, you, you you got cut out right there at the numerical part. You said ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, eight eight point five. A little yes. low, but I'll forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ashley, let's see what it? mine is. No, I gave this a nine out of ten. Punching through a vampire's head, <laughs> and I call it a buy. I mean, for the line, God, no God alone, just buy it. That's such a great line. There's so much dread in that line alone. Yeah, man. Oh, that was good. good, good. I'm really glad you you brought this to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I stuck with it. I mean, it would have been cool to watch uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I... Because every, I mean, everyone expects me to bring like the most violent movie of the evening <laughs> to the table, but I also really enjoy just goofy, silly, funny movies. So yeah. I kind of wanted to show that part of my character. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? But the blood, though, the little girl, the dead dogs, all of it's great. <laughs> yeah. And plus, we had to pass on it once before. So. Yes. So there's that. Oh the, yeah, I just want one one more thing. I wrote down that, that I, I forgot to. Well, two things. Uh, one is it's it's produced. Uh, speaking of Spartacus, it's produced by Sam Raimi and Rob Tapert. So oh, you know, yeah. Ar- Army of Darkness. They're the producers. So uh, that would explain why they had so much creative freedom when they were doing it. Yeah. Uh, and and also, there's this bald vampire um, who appears shortly for a few times in the movie. And there's this scene where he's just like romping through the snow, and he's got like this beard of blood it's just it's just like smeared on his face the way a beard would be and that image is really (laughs) it's really scary 
it is scary. That image lived right free in my head. Yeah, it's a Just it's, like, it's oh great. My God. It's got mm -hmm. great stuff in it. Yeah, I say I'm telling you, it's so good. It's so good. And like, there's this. I don't know if we talked about this or not because I have ADHD and I can't remember things one moment to the next. But the the woman vampire when she was uh, injured so badly by the light that they tried, mm -hmm. they tried something and then uh, he was just like, okay, you're dead now. Like there was no mercy or remorse or empathy for that character. It was just like your weakness to us. So now you must die. Yeah. I, I, I would actually disagree with that. Ashley. I feel like that was probably one of the most humane uh, vulnerable instances that we saw Marlowe in. It, it it really felt like he felt uh a little saddened that this vampire was injured, and it felt more like it wasn't like uh well you're useless to me now, so I'm gonna kill you. It really uh, to me it felt more like uh I'm sorry this happened to you. Let me grant you a merciful death so your so your suffering can stop. <laughs> well, that lets you know how my brain works. No, I think you're both right. I think um, I think there is that sort of uh, chaotic evil pact mentality with the vampires where they only believe in strength. And if you're a weak link, then you've got to go. Um, so but I think that he was hoping like when he, when he sends her into the place, he knows it's risky uh, and they obviously have a special connection, the uh, Marlowe with the woman. Um, but when it's proven that she is defeated by a human and his stupid UV lamp. Um, you know, I think that he tries to just dispatch her as quickly as possible so that she's out of pain. And he's just disappointed that she wasn't stronger. Mm. Yeah. Damn it, it was... Victor. Why, why you gotta be smart, bro. Gotta <laughs> analyze everything. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, well, so yeah. One one big difference with the comic is there. There's there's another vampire that tries to stop them, right? In the yeah. in the comic, if if I remember, like Vicente, um, that he's not yeah. in the movie. It's just no. <laughs> they're 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 kind of like a natural disaster. And it, actually, the movie kind of unfolds like a disaster movie. They kind of show yes. you the spots where stuff's going to happen, where everything's normal at the beginning. Then they introduce you to the characters and the little dramas they have going on. Then the vampires hit like a like a plague with the blizzard. Yeah. And uh, and then it's all about them survive. Who who will survive? You know, it mm -hmm. is. It remind like them being <clears throat> up in the attic reminded me of a game I play called Seven Days to Die. And when it's horde night, you want to get up in an attic and like close yourself off so they can't see, hear, or smell you. Uh -huh. Um, but then there's that one weak link, like the the one with Alzheimer's who got out. We didn't talk about that, but uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and he was like, I have to go get him. That's my dad or whoever it was. And yeah. then they're both dead. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's yep. very, that was a very realistic moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine, Ashley. I, I will, I love this movie so damn much. Obviously, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> those are Those are my final thoughts. And I already gave my rating. So there you go. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. All right, listeners, uh, we're breaking in right here real quick just to do that listener feedback about what you guys thought of the movies. Victor is not joining us right now because, well, Ashley and I are freaking morons. <laughs> <laughs> 
we did not do this in the initial recording of the episode. So we're actually coming in like two days later to yeah. actually record the feedback that you guys left for us, you know, so that didn't just get lost into the ether. So sorry about yeah. that. I'm sure Victor would have loved to have been here, but you know, <laughs> we're sorry. Yeah. It's the ADHD. You get the good and the bad. You get the rants and you get the forgetfulness. The D stands for dumbass. Yeah. And the H is huge. <laughs> A huge dumbass. <laughs> A huge okay. ass dumbass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, wait. Well, hold on. That AD. No. ADHD. AD. A damn huge dumbass. A damn huge dumbass. There we go. All right. Can't spell, but can't remember got... shit, can't stay on topic. Damn, I'm sorry. Son okay. Of a bitch. We got this though. So let's do Twitter first. This yeah. is important to us because, like, you guys took your time to reply and we got some good, thoughtful stuff. So. I'm going to start with Tristan is still a koala, which is hilarious. He said, I love the hunger. The sexiest David Bowie has ever been in movies. It's as good as it gets. I prefer the comic to 30 days of night over the movie, but it's watchable and enjoyable. I have no opinion on my best friend is a vampire because I haven't seen it. So you've got to fix that, Tristan. Oh, yeah, it's a strong recommend. Yeah. And then my good friend Jordan, Scumbag Zombie on uh, Twitter, said 30 Days of Night is a great take on the vampire. Not sophisticated or suave, but gruesome and brutal, which is so true. Mm-hmm. A beautiful snow-covered setting where the blood over the white seems to pop off the screen. I love that it presents two dangers, freezing cold and vampires, when no sunlight is in sight. And he said, I wish I wasn't such a comfort movie snob. Then I might have seen more than just one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good, like, that was a really thoughtful uh, take on that movie because it's yeah, so true. And they're right. That blood on the on the snow just looks so good. Yeah, it really did. I mean, I was impressed with that movie. And, you know, at first I did not want to watch it. I know. I know. And I did. And I loved it. So <laughs> that seems to be a reoccurring theme here uh so then we have jay thomas official said i've never seen my best friend somehow but 30 days of night is fun and super inventive the hunger is a gorgeous film being early tony scott it's no surprise there that never really takes advantage of its premise or its cast oh that's that's so true that's so true and Anthony Ryan Watkins at The Relic on Twitter says, The Hunger, sexy but depressing. 30 Days of Night worked better as a comic, but a solid, brutal flick. My Best Friend is a Vampire, a good gateway horror, and a reminder that a stake through the heart will kill anything and is a bad indicator of vampirism. That's so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put a stake through the heart, you could become a murderer real quick. I know the whole like I'll, I'll put a stick through his heart and he'll be dead. Like, yeah, what? Who isn't that going to kill? Who would not be dead? And I was just impressed that someone else had seen that movie. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Jamie underscore Niles on Twitter said David Bowie and Susan Sarandon in a steamy gothic vampire film, and then put three um hot emoji faces. 
Um, our friend Kevy Kev YX list on Twitter, he was on our martyrs episode, said mm-hmm. the hunger, stylish, sexy, haunting. They should have had fangs. They should have had fangs. I can agree. I was so wrapped up in what the fuck was I watching that I really didn't even notice that at first. Um, 30 Days of Night, decent movie, but I enjoy the graphic novel more. That seems to be a theme here. Uh, my best friend is a vampire. Enjoyed the first part of the movie, then it got kind of meh. So, we got so much feedback on this. Like, this is the Damn. first time I think we've gotten this much. Um, the underscore yar Gary Carper on Twitter said, I grew up with a weird variety of movies, so I'd watch The Land Before Time, Demons 2, Ninja Turtles, Dawn of the Dead. So my best friend is a vampire fit perfectly well with pretty much everything I would watch as a small child. 30 Days of Night grew on me since its release. And then Crazy Wolf 5672 said, 30 Days of Night was a great spin on the vampire story. They were far more terrifying and absolutely merciless. Which is very true. And Vito tweeted, that was his name on there, <laughs> said, Tony Scott thinks vampires are goth polys in 1983's The Hunger. Yeah. Pretty much uh, <laughs> accurate. Uh, and then my good friend Christy at Sea Monkey 2 said, The Hunger, beautiful, sexy, sad, all true. 30 Days of Night, fun take on the zombie genre. I'm pretty sure she meant to say vampire. My best friend is a vampire. I've never seen it. That was the consensus amongst most people is they had not seen it. So. Well, I really hope they like this episode encourages them to check it out because I had a blast with the movie. Also, I'd like to believe she meant zombie because it's such a fresh take on zombies that they're vampires. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... I'm going to head on over to our Facebook group now. Newly minted Facebook group. What, what? You guys really came through on the Facebook group. We have like almost 60 people in that group now, and it started less than a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be out of breath reading all of these if I can find them again. I'm pretty sure I tagged or pinned to this post. So we have 36 comments. Okay, so just buckle up, you guys. So my good friend Kurt said, The hunger was good. I hated 30 Days of Night. You can never beat Bordello of Blood. And you said that you loved Bordello of Blood. I've never seen it because people just shit on it all the time. So I guess oh, I'm going to have to I see it. Bordello of Blood. It's so much fun. Granted, if you didn't like... Well, no, I won't ruin it. Yeah, it'll... It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna watch it. Um Pearl Morgan, one of our besties, I would say, uh says she loves vampires, loves first bite, once bitten, and of course Fright Night. The hunger was a very dark type of vamp. Bordello of Blood was fun and <clears throat> Angie Everhart was sexy. I'm just gonna read the under comments too, if that's cool with you. That's fine. Okay, so you said, I've never seen Love at First Bite. I shall watch it soon. I've never seen it either, by the way. it's She said, pretty fun. George Hamilton does a pretty good job. Also, Son of Darkness to Die for Part 2. <laughs> I haven't seen that either. And then Greg Bozzelli said, thank you so much for Once Bitten. Yes, all day. I actually do love that movie, too. 
Never seen it. It's basically, I mean, it's almost the, it's the same type of feel as my best friend's a vampire. Oh, well, I'll probably have a, a, a grand old time with it then. With Jim Carrey in it. Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> so Jason Whittington, I didn't say that right. Whittington, Whitt- I don't know. Okay. I would say Whittington. Yeah. Jason, okay. if we are mispronouncing that, Just blame Just come Ashley. kill me later. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm an emo kid. Just kill me. Okay. He said 30 Days of Night is a fantastic vampire movie. One of the, if not the best. That's a mm. large, bold statement, Jason. That I agree with. You did agree. You said yes. On that post. <laughs> <laughs> James McFeeders, who we really need to get on here. Uh, I was on his podcast, Evil Jelly, before. He said, I really like 30 Days a Night. The vampires are vicious and smart. The hunger is a little slow, but very interesting concept on how some age and some don't. (laughs) Yeah. Very interesting. So much so that I don't understand it. Same. Uh, I think my favorite vampire movie from the last 20 years is probably Let the Right One In. I also can't have the name nickname Fright Night Feats without recommending that 80s classic, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Fright Night. Chris Sarandon's really hot in that movie. Oh, and he like posted this thing about his podcast the other day. He's 80 and he's still hot. Damn. Still hot. I don't know how they do it because I'm inching on 40 and I'm like, whoa. Okay, Sean Taylor, everybody, a friend of the show for sure, said, My Best Friend is a Vampire is a fun, nostalgic movie. Seen it several times. 30 Days of Night is an awesome vampire movie. Far as unpopular vampire movies, from Dust Till Dawn sequels are watchable. Love the Underworld series. The last couple weren't the best, but I still enjoy them. I also like Priest quite a bit. I've been wanting to watch that. I almost picked that for the episode. Next time we do a vampires episode, I'll I'll pick it. Or you can okay. pick it. Either way. Yeah, I want to see that. Always hoped it would get sequels, but I doubt that's going to happen. And then you said, I also love Priest. <laughs> yes, it was not very well received, so I doubt it's going to happen. Really? Yeah. Well, I want to at least see the first one. That's um, dope. Dan Johnson said, I second love at first bite. It's very fun. Vampire's Kiss, Let the Right One In, 30 Days of Night, but Fright Night could be my top favorite vampire film besides the classic like Nosferatu. That's a good movie. Uh, It's a lot of people may not find it easy to watch, though. Hmm. Um, Dave Becker said... What's up, Dave? Anyway, I saw Love at First Bite on the big screen in 1979. So much fun. What the fuck? Wait. I wasn't, I didn't exist in 1979. Sorry, Dave. No, I, but I, I mean, if, if Dave's gonna, you know, talk highly about the movie, that, I gotta watch it now. That's true. If he likes it, I'm gonna love it, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said, I've never seen Vampire Kiss. Is that the new one with Nicolas Cage? Is that a, is that for real? Oh yeah, Nicolas Cage is in is in that movie. I I, I know that part, but that's it. 
based on based off what I hear from that movie and like the memes that I've seen from that movie, I'm really excited for him to play Dracula in the in the new. Oh no, he's he's Dracula, right? Yeah, yeah he's Dracula in, in the Renfield <laughs> movie coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really ready to watch that too, and I'm I'm just gonna say this, and I'm gonna get crucified. I do not like Nicolas Cage. How dare you? I know. Um, Michael Stanislawski. Yeah. If you can't see my face, I'm like doing a I don't know, and I'm so sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, Vampire's Kiss is really worth a watch if you've never seen it. Not at all a Dracula spoof, but very dark comedy about a man who's possibly turning into a vampire, possibly losing his mind, and maybe both. It's unhinged cage decades before that became his default acting mode. Not the movie you expect it to be. Not really a horror comedy in my mind. To give you an idea of how different this is from something like Once Bitten, one of the most memorable memorable scenes is based around a rant about alphabetical filing. Okay. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Uh, Dave Becker said, I absolutely loved a recent watch. My grandpa is a vampire. I have never heard of this. Me either. A New Zealand pick. That also went by the title Grampire. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That title sells me. Grampire is the best. (laughs) It starred the great Al Lewis, who was the grandpa in the Munsters. Mm. Oh my God. He was the vampire in this. Kids a trip movie, but was really damn cool. Oh my God. I want to see that now. And then he said, as for the titles mentioned, I love both 30 Days of Night and The Hunger. 30 Days is my favorite of the group. Those feral vampires are amazing. Damn right they are. And sexy. Yeah. I really liked it. Like, I cannot say that enough. Uh, Jason, again, said Daybreakers was a pretty damn awesome movie, too. I haven't seen Yes. That. No, my gosh, Ashley, come on. <laughs> I'm so bad. I know it, y'all. Okay, listeners, uh, soon we're going to be doing Vampires Part 2. We're going to have to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Victoria Chambers said, rewatched 30 Days of Night recently, and I love the portrayal of feral vampires. Mm -hmm. Ryan Bratton, or what is he called Grandpa Grunge? Is that what he wanted to be called? Yeah. Yeah, so Grandpa Grunge. (laughs) We love you, Ryan. Uh, I'm not a big vampire guy, but I really like 30 Days of Night. I can see how that, I can see how people wouldn't like vampire films, but would like that one. Because it's bitchin'. (laughs) Bitchin', yes. Uh, Brian Scott, fuck you, Brian. Uh, He said, I love 30 Days of Night. A great concept that vamps would strike in no sunlight month in Alaska. I thought that was a really cool concept, too. Like, that's the perfect time. Uh, Joel said, Joel Robertson Gilman, he said, I haven't seen it in years, but I loved my best friend as a vampire. And I said, I knew you were my favorite for a reason. Like, it's so on brand that Joel would have seen and liked that movie <laughs> as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's a Joel movie, hardcore, thousand percent. It really is. And then Peter Nielsen, our good friend, <laughs> my BFF from Retro Movie Geek, said, My heart is still shattered. 
from my last conversation with Ashley about vampires, and so are my balls. <laughs> <laughs> you still you still have those in your purse, right, Ashley? I still have those. I display them in my office at work as a trophy. <laughs> That's such a power move. Love it. I know. You said I completely understand, but I don't know what that was in reference to. Because but... I don't win arguments with you, Ashley. <laughs> Do I also have your balls on display? Listeners, no. find out later. My my balls are safely <laughs> stored away under my wife's uh, pillow. She sleeps at them on them at night. <laughs> oh, April Shepherd. So I work with her. I get That's so dope. Many... Yeah, I, she's in the library. She's a librarian. Uh, in the library where my officers are held, and we both really love horror movies. And I get so many cool things from her. So shout out April, like you're so cool. Um, she said, "Let the right one in." Original 2008 version. Of course, the Hunger and Thirty Days of Night are awesome. Blade Two is great, but that's probably considered my favorite mainstream movie. Other favorite non-favorites are What We Do in the Shadows, Thirst, A Girl Walks Alone a Home at Night, Nosferatu, The Vampire, and Shadow of the Vampire. <clears throat> and she would also consider Chronos Vampire adjacent. So you know, I'm good picks too. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that like Shadow of the Vampire and uh what we do in the shadows got mentioned because I love those movies so damn much. Uh and a little quick shout out to uh the TV series What We Do in the Shadows because it's great. I haven't seen it yet, but I have it uh queued. You should you should watch it because so, it's I have it's, so many things to watch. There's a there's a cursed hat. There's an entire episode revolving around an orgy. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. It's kind of funny that April commented on that. And I'm sitting here. I have a bag of pins. So I bought like three pins from her, but she gave me a giant bag full of them anyway. And I love enamel pins. Like, I don't know if she knows that or not, but I am obsessed with enamel pins. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, April. Well, if she listens to the show, she knows that now. Yeah. I don't know if she listens. She may. Maybe. I don't know. That's Either awesome way. if she does. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. was that it for our listener feedback? That was it. That was a lot. We should call. Uh, we got to figure out a name for this little segment segment so we don't have two different listener feedback sections. Maybe it's like yeah. topic feedback or. I'll think Listen or input. I don't know. Something like, tell us why we're stupid for having mm -hmm. these movies. No. <laughs> I don't know. We'll come up tell with something. Tell us why we're dumb for forgetting this in the first place. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. But uh, that's going to be it. And uh, with that, we're going to go right back into the episode. See ya. Bye. Uh, Victor, thank you. Thank you so much for being on here, yes. man. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Um, you're welcome back anytime, man. Just, just quit being so damn smart though, man. <laughs> I'm just the way God made me, sir. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you do you, man. I, I love you. I love you. Yeah. Uh, um, well, yeah. Uh, anybody, do you, do you mind if I do my plugs or? Yeah. 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 I was about to say, shoot, shoot your plugs out. So the listeners can follow you in your endeavors. 
Well, um, yes, thanks. If, uh, as Ashley mentioned earlier, uh, I'm a talent manager and one of my clients has uh, an animated series called Dragon Age Absolution out on Netflix. She composed all the music. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed it. It's it's kind of a sword and sorcery type thing based yeah. on a, a video game sound uh, a franchise. Uh, and um, so it's a you know party of people that go do super things in Very medieval cool. times. Yeah, um, really cool. And uh, yeah, uh, as uh, Raul mentioned, I have a book called The Sound of Fear. If you just look that up uh, and type in my name, Victor H, the middle initial H, very important, Rodriguez, because uh, there's a bunch of us out there. And um, uh, if, uh, if you don't, don't want to pay for the book, I have a podcast, it's a limited uh, series uh, where I do performances of every story in that book. Uh, and then my producer, Josh, takes me through a little inspirational uh, conversation, like what inspired you to write this story? Uh, but in any case, the book and the podcast, oh, the, the podcast is called Inside the Sound of Fear, and it's it's available in all podcast aggregators. And um, the, uh, uh, the book is basically about normal humans coming into contact with uh, sounds from the unknown, like uh, either aliens or the afterlife or things like that. And what do they do? So it's all sound based, uh, which is a callback to my first career, which was uh, music supervision. So. Uh, yeah, and there's that. Oh, and one more thing. Um, I'm also, if you're in the Seattle area and you're listening to the show, so Mr. Watson, Sasquatch, I think maybe you guys are, um, but I'm going to be, uh, I also write crime fiction and I'm going to be at the next Noir at the Bar at the Alibi Room in Seattle performing brand new fiction that hasn't been published yet. It has been submitted. Oh, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, called Nor at the bar and basically a, a bunch of local writers get up on stage and do a short, like a 10 minute performance of some of their work and you buy drinks and everybody has a good time. It sounds really fun. I want to do that. that. Yeah, yeah. That's rad, dude. February 2nd. Yeah. They have them in most major cities. It's a franchise, uh, Nor at the bar. So if you're I into that type of thing, of look nowhere. at it. Oh Yeah. I live in the middle farm country, so we don't have cool things like that. And we don't even get to drink here. So you have to have like a special license to get alcohol at your establishment because we're wow. a dry county. Damn. Wow. I didn't think that existed anymore. It does. Down down south, we're antiquated. I don't but even yeah. think there's dry any dry counties in Utah. <laughs> Oh, that's because I was just going to say, like, isn't Salt Lake City that way? But maybe no, not. You, no, you can get alcohol at restaurants. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's it. North Bar's on uh, February 2nd. Okay. Pretty cool. Uh, Ashley, will you throw out your plugs and links? Yep. Anyone can find me at Barely Ashley on Twitter, fa- not Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. PlayStation, PlayStation Network, and then he'll link my Facebook in the show notes. We have a new Facebook group. Yeah, just uh, search "Headlong into Monsters" on Facebook and join our group. It's open right now because I want it to be available to people. But uh, once we get a good membership in, I'll probably make it private. Yeah, just we don't open. want like 
bots joining in. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. want bots and we want everyone to feel very protected and able to mm-hmm. say whatever they want to say about movies or whatever dumb shit we've said on the show. So please join our Facebook group. We would love to have you. Absolutely. And I will have that linked in the show notes. So if you if you're looking for it, you can't find it, just go to the show notes. It'll be linked there. Please join the Facebook group. We are interacting pretty heavily, which is a surprise because I am terrible at social media. <laughs> yes, he is terrible at social media. I'm better at Twitter, but I'm going to get better at Facebook. Yes. It's a cool group. <laughs> I, I second it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Surprisingly, a lot less penis than everyone was expecting. Yeah. But if you start sending your dick pics to our Gmail, we might post them on there and shame you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe, but we will we'll get kidding. we'll get banned real Just kidding. Quick. Our group will be gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not even I, I posted. Yeah, I've posted links to books with questionable content on Facebook and they the they interfere. Like they gray it out so nobody can see it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, they're pretty hardcore. Yeah. A, a lot of, I mean, Victor, I'm sure you and I are on that same uh, page because a lot of the covers of the books I read are, you know, gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I, I like traveling with them. I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to fucking talk to me on the plane. And <laughs> yeah. You, you open a book <laughs> like that and they don't. <laughs> yeah. That you look like a, a sociopath. Point. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that. I should do that. I'm leaving this asshole alone. (laughs) I'm just going to start taking questionable reading materials with me, and maybe they'll shut the fuck up when I'm on the plane. Mm Because I keep like taking my AirPods out. Huh? Because I can't be rude. It's annoying. Oh, I'll be rude as fuck. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As far as other links go, you can follow... You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Into Monsters. That's in the number two monsters. Uh, you can follow me personally at Raul versus Monsters. You can follow my letterbox at Into underscore Monsters. You can visit our website for what that's worth at headlongintomonsters.godaddysites.com. And you can also email us pictures of your genitals and other things at <laughs> headlongintomonsters at gmail.com. I do Please not don't check send that account. Us- no, Ashley does not check that account. Also, please don't send us emails of your genitals. But um, <laughs> if you want to tell us what you thought of the show, what you thought of the movies, if you want to chat with us or whatever, you can or just send us a letter. Yeah, you can send us uh, an email to yeah. Headlong and Monsters. Uh, but that's going to be our episode. Ashley, what are we doing next time? Next time, you say... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think next time is our um top 10 of 2022. Absolutely. There it is. And guys, just look. Okay, I don't watch a lot of new movies, so you're just gonna have to bear with me on my top 10 not being good enough if it is not good enough. I have I watched a lot of 22 movies. Mm-hmm. I've watched more this year than I think I have previously, which is great. It's great. And I'm going to do better this year, too. I believe in you. Yes. Uh, but we will have some special guests on that episode. I don't know yeah. if we want to leave it a surprise or not, but because some of them may not be able to make it. Yeah, let's leave that a surprise for now. We don't want to disappoint the listeners because we do that plenty already. But uh, we do plan... <laughs> 
we do plan yeah. to have some awesome guests and we I, I I personally can't wait, man. It's gonna be a yeah in episode. It's gonna be really fun. Yeah. Look forward to it. Um but uh be sure to join us for that next episode as we once again dive headlong into monsters. Bye.